Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greetings, everybody. How are you all doing today? Welcome to episode four of Ham Radio Live. This is our episode for October 15th, 2021. We go live on youtube.com slash Mr. Maddie plays every single Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, as always. I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, who's nice and showered today in his snuggly little Animal Crossing shirt, Paul Lombardo. Yeah. Paul, how you doing? Dude, today's a great day for Animal Crossing fans. Yeah, you're... You, Man, I don't know. You're looking fresh. You got the haircut. I Yeah, Looks thank good. you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I, uh, I It was time to go back to the business look that uh, <laughs> you know I've had for many years. Uh, much to the chagrin of my girlfriend who likes my long hair. It was, it was a tough battle, right? Because here's what's happening is... You got my mom, who's a big fan of the short hair. I got Tyler, a big fan of the short hair. I got the love of my life saying she likes it long. I got other people saying it's good when it's long. Eventually, you got to make a call for yourself. And I was just tired of the hair in the face. I was tired of brushing it around, especially at the gym. It was maintenance. Sometimes I just want to get up and go. So, yeah, went and got the haircut. Appreciate you uh, hyping it up yeah. because it, it's, it's different. Kinda- it's kind of funny. I'm like the ex- I'm in this exact same situation. Mom likes short hair. Friends like short hair. Mm-hmm. And then Maya, my girlfriend, loves it long. But I have like thinner hair, as you know. So it, when it's longer, it just looks really bad. It's right, like, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. dude, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. And I get like, who do you please? I, yeah. My hair gets oily quickly, too. Mm-hmm. So the longer it is, like, uh, but I like, I used to like it longer. Now I'm going to. I'm kind of with that, like, you know, the shortcut. As you get older, I think it's just you're more attracted to the shortcut. For me, it's just literally, yeah. oh, this is easy. Like, I did not touch my hair today groomed. at all. I did not touch it at all. That's that's yeah. all. I just rolled out of bed, you know, checked the mirror, little finger comb. I was like, all right, <laughs> off to Best Buy. I go to get Demon Slayer. I did the exact same thing. There we go. Yeah, we have a we have a good night ahead of us, too, because we're going to play that after this. But um, for those who are tuning in, thank you so much for joining us seems like the reception to our past couple episodes has been great. So thank you so much. We appreciate that. As always, we're not only available on YouTube, we're available on other podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, etc. There are links in the description on the YouTube video. So if you're looking to listen on any of those apps, please go ahead and do so. We also want to call the early birds out who join us in the beginning of this show. If you're interested in calling in, you can join right now on patreon.com slash Mr. Maddie Place, also linked in the description down below. We want to hear from you. Uh, we do a couple call-ins before we get into the news, and we want to keep getting new voices in there. Um, so you can also, by the way, for those who are interested in listening on the go, you can just search up Ham Radio Live or Mr. Maddie Plays, whichever is easier for you. Just don't forget your periods when you search Ham Radio Live, and you'll find our lovely new show. Any ratings and reviews of five stars is always appreciated, and it helps scoop up our show a little bit. So that extra legwork would be much appreciated. 
Anyway, Paul, we've got ourselves what I think is a, a pretty busy week from Avowed to Fallout to Nintendo having balls of steel. There's plenty to go over. And, uh, oh, real quick, do you have the timer going? Um, or, or are we going to... So it's, it's kind of funny. Right when we started, I remember you... I remember the timer, so I don't have it. But what I'm going to do is I'll start it now. And right. then just add four minutes just, to every. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, perfect. Well, I'll start it at five minutes exactly. So then you don't have to count for Hell yeah. uh, seconds and stuff. Hell yeah. Shout out to Unkem Talk with our first super chat saying nothing better than clocking out and catching ham. We appreciate you, Unkem Talk. Called in last week. It was great chatting with you. Thank you for the support here. For those of you who are joining us live with that. Nothing else for our opening. No real housekeeping going on here. Paul, I suggest we just dive into what we're playing. Yeah, I've been playing a lot this week. I think we've been kind of playing some more games. Mm -hmm. We're both playing Resident Evil 4, or we both finished it. Yes. And dude, that game is great. Yeah, I was, I uh, I was really impressed. Resident Evil 4. I was really, really yeah, impressed. What did uh, you like most about it? Uh, see, everything I liked most about it is stuff that I loved from 8. Like the shop system, I thought was a really natural sort of uh way for progression like for you to progress your weapons and upgrade things mm -hmm. uh but also just kind of like the world design i don't know it was very atmospheric and one of my favorite tracks i posted this on twitter but is is the uh the track for the save room oh yeah oh, it, so it's good. like so reflective i don't know it's just very it really ropes you into the atmosphere and another thing is the atmosphere switches a lot like one moment you're in the village then you're in this like spanish castle mm -hmm. and then after that you're in a, a lab and then i think it towards the end it's like an oil rig type thing i don't really yeah know, like but... an island yeah and it, it was just so it was so fun and even it's kind of dated right so a lot of the dialogue was almost cheesy but i kind of realized that resident evil is kind of that's kind of part of the charm yeah like definitely. the cheesy dialogue and i i found it charming so it was I a good agree. game. I'm glad yeah, I went back in October. It's an interesting perspective we both have because uh, we both played it for the first time this past week, right? Um, I did a full video for it, recorded it with Brett Medlock of Nintendo Enthusiast. Uh, that'll be on Retro Rebound as sort of a 2021 review of that game. It'll go out the same day uh, that Resident Evil 4 VR drops. We wanted to synchronize oh. it with that so that, you know, people are looking it up. Maybe they'll come across our review, our discussion on it. But yeah, and that I, I said pretty much the same exact thoughts you had, which is I, I think the atmosphere for that game is way stronger than I expected. It's actually creepy in some parts, which yeah. I did not expect at all. You know, we have a good friend, Trex, who plays a lot of Resident Evil 4. He's got like 80 hours in it, even though it's for him like a four or five hour game. He just replays it all the time whenever he gets a little bored. And he, um, you know, he, he really sold it on being an action game, which it is. But I thought because of that, it wouldn't be as, uh, at times, you know, nerve-wracking as it was. Um, and there was a really strong atmosphere when it was, like, raining in the village. Uh, one of the boss fights that was in the barn with the, the smoke from mm -hmm. the fire. Mm -hmm. And you saw the things, like, spine stretch out. I thought it was absolutely awesome. So, really, really good game. Uh, the, the, the balance, too, was really good, I thought, compared to something like Resident Evil 7, where they based the enemy damage on your amount of bullets you had in your inventory were actually in this game. It was, you know, it was, it felt a lot more fair, honestly. Um, and it, it, the way the environments were structured where it was claustrophobic, but you had enough room to, to maneuver and aim and do what you needed to do. It, it's really well designed. I was, I was very, very much impressed and it, you can understand why people called it the, one of the best games of all time. I, I don't think it's going to be mine. I still guiltily. So uh, I, I enjoy a little Resident Evil five, in my life but uh 
that's for another conversation. Still, Resident Evil Four was excellent. Yeah, five is something I need to. Next game, next Resident Evil game I'm playing is definitely five because you and Trax and Brian talk highly of it. So I know it's kind of like, isn't it sort of a black sheep opinion though? Like of uh, yours because it's not that loved in the community. I think it's loved now, but definitely when it came out, it was a little too action packed. Uh, they, you know, there there was Sheva who was kind of this plug and play character. Like she wasn't even supposed to be in the game. Uh, it definitely wasn't scary, especially coming off of four. I can confidently mm -hmm. say there was there's mm -hmm. nothing creepy or scary about five. It's just a really really good co op game, in my opinion. Uh, which I don't think Resident Evil was known for at all. So it, it definitely backstabbed some things in the franchise. And I think some of the hate for five also came from when six followed it up. A lot of people enjoyed five. Six continued in this really action-heavy uh, co-op direction. I remember even as a fan of five, I loved five when I first got my 360, but uh, six, I didn't even like that much. Now it's got a little bit of a charm. Um, and I think because they've gone back to basics to some extent with seven and eight, people have sort of forgiven those transgressions. But yeah, five is, I don't know if it's a black sheep anymore. It'd be interesting to see what some of the audience has to say on that. But as it stands currently, I, th I think it's mostly enjoyed at this point in time, kind of like 76. It's after the couple of years it's been out. Some people are like, all right, fine. I'll play you. I'll enjoy you a little oh bit. Oh my God. Yeah. Was it, wasn't there a, uh, there was a tweet I saw. I think you sent it. It was really funny. This guy, he bought 76 on Steam <laughs> and yeah. then refunded yeah. it. Like yeah, yeah. He's like, that's enough of that. <laughs> Dude. Oh, man. That uh, game is... Uh... Yeah, I know. It's it's. I'm so <laughs> up and down with it at times. Uh, shout out to 99 Rukin with a, another super chat to start off our show here. If Sega joins Microsoft and we see Xbox Smash, who's on the cover? Also, I need that background as a wallpaper. Good show. Yeah, we're going to be releasing a... Uh, wallpaper version of this shortly. So that'll go out to patrons first. Um, so don't worry about that. But um, thank you for the love on the art. We are big fans of it as well. Uh, but if Sega joined Microsoft and we see Xbox Smash, who's on the cover? It's got to be Master Chief. Master Chief's got to be the face of a, of a Smash Bros. Uh, Xbox yeah, game. For sure. I mean, he you know launched with Xbox. I think he's definitely the biggest Xbox character, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. Certainly, there's more to come down the line. We'll be talking about one of them potentially in our first bit Ooh, of news. Yes, very exciting. Yes, let's uh, let's keep going with what we're playing though. Are you, beyond uh, Resident Evil Four? Do you, you play anything else you want to talk about this week, dude? I've been addicted to Hades, and I only started it last night. But I was mm -hmm. literally playing it five minutes before the podcast. It is so wow. fun. I I got through the uh, second boss, which was the hide. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. I think mm -hmm. and god immediately when I booted it up I was like yep this game's gonna be addicting it's just <laughs> so I don't know what it is about it that instantly grabbed me I think it was the fact that like all these different runs they never really feel the same because you're getting like different boons and all the different gods and goddesses and it's I'm not far enough to really have a huge opinion on it other right. than the fact that it's really fun 
but I'm enjoying it a lot. And I'm kind of yeah, sad that I've been sleeping on it because I, I should have played it when it came out because it's really good. Yeah, I, I would have played it when it first, first came out on Epic Early Access because I love Supergiant games. They brought out Pyre, which me and Carrick raved about a ton. I thought Pyre was excellent. I thought Bastion was really good. Transistor was a top 30 game of the year in 2014 for me. That team never misses. So I, I had a feeling Hades would be good, but I wanted to wait for the full release of the game. And when it actually came out, I, I like I was surprised at how good it was because I don't like roguelikes. I don't know if you sit in the same ballpark on that, but I can't stand them typically. It takes a really special one to click. Hades is one of those for me. Yeah, I haven't played many roguelikes, so this one is like one of the first ones I've really dived into, but it's so much fun. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm going to be curious to the see how your thoughts are. The style is really nice, too. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the best parts of the game, especially when you're getting the weapons and you look out at Tartarus from the, the ledge. Yeah. Have you done that? Yeah, it's, oh, my God. Yeah, so they have it in the, like, when you get to the second area, you can look out at, I, f I forgot what it's called, but it's yeah, like the I lava area. It's just, it's just so cool. And then he has, like, a little monologue and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the, I think there's, like, a lot of funny dialogue, too. Like, the, there's a charm to the, the writing and... The voice acting, it's not like anything to write home about, but I thought I think it's pretty fitting for like the game. Yeah, it was interesting about the voice acting. I don't know if anyone agrees with this because it's a really strange thing to notice, but a lot of performances in games are bombastic and loud. And if you listen to Hades and the voice work for it, everyone's a little quiet. Not yeah, volume quiet, but the way they they're nervous. very they're very soft spoken. And I like that about the game. Everyone's very despite being gods they're very human i don't know how else to describe it and i really appreciated that approach because that was intentional i don't know why they did it but they they did and you know when you listen to uh i forget the name of the main character it starts with a z zagreus zagreus thank you he yeah. um just the way he talks he kind of talks like this very soft yeah all the characters do i think it's because they're trying to perpetuate this like workplace environment you know what i mean mm. like where hades is at like he's the boss and then That's you have point. like the, i didn't think of that so i don't know but it it sort of makes it feel like they're they're more than gods they're well not more than gods they're like people working you know what mm -hmm. i mean like they're mm -hmm. just kind of it's re relatable in a way which Absolutely. i like yeah i'm uh, i'm gonna be excited to see how your thoughts on that develop for me the the main game i've actually played this week i just started metroid dread so i'll have some thoughts on that next week I haven't played enough of it, like only three hours, so I don't want to give too early in my thoughts. But I want to talk about one that I, I bought is kind of like a, oh, it's on sale. It's two bucks. And oh, my I, God. And then, I, <laughs> and then I played it for like fucking seven hours straight. Uh, that's dude. Thief Simulator on Switch. Oh, my God, dude. I don't know what happened. but This is a game you bought while you were waiting for me to get into call to play Mario Golf. <laughs> I did. It was two dollars, and I thought yeah. to myself, again, this came up of a conversation Carrick and I had, where he's like, "Yeah, the simulator games are actually really good. They go really in depth with them." And there's like, he told me there's drug dealer simulator, cooking simulator. I'm like, I see thief simulator. I don't know what it is, but it reminds me, for example, Dishonored, where I loved like crawling into buildings and stealing stuff and then reselling it and buying other stuff. To me, that's just like a mechanic that's very addicting for me. I don't know if I'm living out some fantasy that I'm unaware of, but. Point being is is that's what Thief Simulator is about. So you get to like mark people, their schedules, you track when they're in and out of the house. And then when you go inside, you, you grab all of their stuff, you make these halls, you can get skill points that upgrade your backpack space, how quickly you move around the environment with heavy things that you like a TV or a printer or a piece of art. And I'm throwing them out the window. You put them in the back of your car or in the storage space. There's a ton of little mini games like hacking, lock picking, electronic lock picking 
cutting holes in windows. There's just so much there. And I've, I've put probably 10 hours into this game in two days. And I, I really, really like it. I don't know if I'm going to sink any more into it. Like, I'm going to put tens of hours into it. But it's been a really good surprise. And I think it's because I got robbed so hard with the Thief game in 2014. Actually, shout out to Felix Check. He just brought off uh, Thief Remake. That game was horrible. I remember being so excited for it. But now this one, I think it's just a redemption arc for me. And that's why I've liked it so much. But also, it's been like the best two bucks that I've spent. So... You know, shout out to Thief Simulator. Really good game. It's on sale for another couple of days, even after this show goes live for free for everyone. Check it out. Two bucks on Switch. And I think it's on sale on Steam, too. It's actually it's actually really, really enjoyable. Guilty pleasure, for sure. Can, can you get caught by, like, the police? Yes, yes. If you fuck up, they'll call the cops. They'll chase you. You have to, like, hide in a bed, under a bed or in a wow. closet or a trash can. Yeah, there's so much to it. And... There's like a not a storyline, but you you'll be put on these missions. Uh, they got this this own their own internet where they got this thing called like Black Bay, where you'll sell items to the to the black <laughs> like, to the like dark Sly web. Cooper, like yeah, the thief net. <laughs> it really is the thief net. Yeah, and and they have uh, rent a thug, so you'll you'll accept these odd jobs like going into 102 on Greenbrier Street and breaking someone's fucking sink with a crowbar. There's just these <laughs> there's just these wild reckless missions that you'll do while you're stealing stuff and that's the thing is the progression in the game is taking objects and getting out quietly because if you get out quietly it gives you like a five star rating on your on how good of a thief you were and it'll give you a multiply multiplier so it's 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 addicting like I, I kept having that feeling of like one more run one more run one more run um and I, I just kept going kept going and I kept thinking like oh, I'll eventually put this down but I never really wanted to and I find it hilarious cuz everyone's showing off like Mario Kart on their Switch OLED <laughs> dread and I'm just here like yeah, this simulator. simulator yeah <laughs> but it's it's good man once again 2 bucks shout out to uh uh Flash Gordon who said he put 500 hours into it I can kind of understand why it's addicting and it continues to progress because one last thing I want to call out I don't want to drag this on too much but what happens is at first, you're like, okay, you crawl through the window, you get into their house, you take their stuff, okay. Then you crawl into their house through the electronic lock. Then you crawl up the lattice on the side of their house. Then you climb up the gutters. Now you're stealing their cars because you've learned how to hotwire. Now you're stealing their laptops and you're hacking into them for data and you're selling them for thousands of dollars. Like, it just keeps going. It's got a Dude, really good progression loop. I'm I'm playing the wrong the wrong roguelike. I should be playing that instead of Hades. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, shout out to Brett. He's in chat. We had to talk about uh, Resident Evil Four, as I said, and I told him about Thief Simulator. I was like, "Look, man, this, this game's actually good." I said, "It's two bucks. If if you really like, put it this way, you could buy like four chicken nuggets at McDonald's, or you could try Thief Simulator and maybe get ten hours out of it." And I think that's a good trade off. So just anyone out there, two bucks, try it out. I'd be curious to see the thoughts. Yeah, look at that. Scott, St David uh, Pornov said he's picking up Thief Sim on PC. He's sold. Let's go. David, follow <laughs> up next week. Looking forward to your thoughts on that. With that, anything else you want to talk about that you're playing? Um, let's see. I play oh, I I kind of dropped Tales of Arise. I might return to it, but something about it just isn't clicking with me. I think it's the story because mm -hmm. the story isn't bad, but it has a really strong start, and then it kind of kind of slows down a little bit, then it picks up. And now I'm near the halfway point, and from what my friends are telling me, it's that the story gets worse as you go along, which is kind of disappointing. So right now I'm like, you know, Hades is grabbing me. I'm going to play Hades mm -hmm. and then hopefully come back to Tales. But I don't know. I realized this year I've been dropping JRPGs left and right, which is so odd. 
but I think it's because there's so much I'm I'm wanting to play that these JRPGs just sink my time. Mm-hmm. Like I dropped Rise of Two, Atelier Rise of Two, but I, I want to go back to it. I've been thinking about it. Um, Three Houses and now uh, uh, Tales of Arise. Interesting. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I finished Strikers. Um, I finished Kingdom Hearts Two. I think there's a few other JRPGs I played this year. I guess Strikers isn't really. No, Strikers. Strikers would count. I don't think Strikers would count. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I get, have to I look at my list of games, I get, but I, I don't know that. what it is. I think it's just that. Well, in my opinion, one of those uh, being Fire Emblem, I don't think is really that great. I just and you picked up on the on the flaw right away that I had with the game yeah. super early, and it, it's re- you can't shake it off. It's just there the whole time. And I told you that if you were having an issue already with like the social system and how it works, I said it only gets worse because they never evolve it. It's just not oh my well God. balanced. I so- was so disappointed when you like when there's like a point in the game where things change a lot. And then I thought that it would change that system, but it just stays. Like it yeah. doesn't even make sense for it to be there really. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, it, it's they saw Persona, they liked what Persona did. It's again why I don't get when these companies like Persona, they don't just try to one for one design what Persona does with social links, but Fire Emblem tried it. They had a good idea with the school system. I liked it, but it just it gets tiresome really fast. And um, I'm, I'm surprised how many people were singing its praises because I thought it was a really flawed game. Uh, the first half was really boring to me. And, and the story in the second half is really good, uh, depending on which yeah. route you take, by, by the way. This, the story is picking up. It's just that the this gameplay systems are already stale. And the combat, too, which I find weird that the combat's getting stale. But it's just really easy. Like, really, mm. really dumb easy. And that's funny because that's not... That's not Fire Emblem, right? Like that's Fire Emblem's. Well, this is the first one I played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For for then, what I'll say is Fire Emblem has always been hard. Uh, Even with Awakening, Fire Emblem was still difficult because they had the classic mode, which was like what Fire Emblem was: permadeath, like no going back, that type of thing. Um, But also, they had this adventure mode or something, which is kind of what everyone plays now. um, That doesn't want that type of challenge. They want everyone to live, and uh, I just feel like with Awakening was sort of the. That they got it right there, and then the Birthright series came out, and they didn't really like go as hard, and it just got it's gone downhill since then. I think so. I'm gonna be interested to see. We're getting to that point where I think 2022, you're gonna see an announcement of a new Fire Emblem game, and I'm really curious what they do with it. Of course, I'll be there. Really, really interested in where they're gonna take the franchise, though. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think. Um, oh, sorry. Well, hold on. No, I, I was just gonna apologize. I was going to read a fucking <laughs> super chat, but you know what? Go oh, on. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Okay. Super chats are more boring. <laughs> Gaston Colazzo says, for the ham rainy day fund. Thank you, Gaston, again. He's making this a weekly tradition. Tradition. I can't speak today. We appreciate that. Go on, Paul. Finish what you were going to okay. say. Well, I was just going to say that something about JRPGs this year have been like, I don't know if it's the fact that the combat just, for most JRPGs, just kind of stays the same. But it's, I, I guess within the last few years i've played so many that i'm starting to like burn out a little bit on them even neo 2 which is an action jrpg mm-hmm. i dropped which is really weird but everything else i've played that hasn't been a jrpg i've played through and i finished so i don't know that was just my little my, no, my I, final I think, take on it i think uh it makes complete sense why because a lot of them are on the surface level very similar in their character yeah. concepts i think it Actually, takes you know takes one i finished really replicant you. though and that one was definitely one that really like think, grinded you down to the bone i was gonna say i think it takes one to really grind you down that you kind of push through and from there it's yeah. hard to recover because replicant for yeah. me was the last one i played that was like 50 hours and i went okay and i haven't played a game that long since outside of arise 
Uh, but Arise was to me like excellent. I thought that was top yeah. tier. So to and me, you had like prior different. experience with the Tales series mm -hmm. too, so you get to see that evolution. But for me, it's just like the first time I'm playing, and it's I don't know. I don't want to call it mid, but I, I that's how I feel about it right no, now. No, that's totally that's your opinion, man. It's totally fair. I don't I don't think it's a perfect game, but I I think a lot of the love I have for it is because I've been a fan of the series for a while. Shout out to one more super chat, Connor Hathaway. I've been hooked on Fallout 4 settlement mode. That's very interesting. We hope you continue to enjoy that, but uh, hopefully Starfield doesn't have that. With that... So, settle. <laughs> what's up? Settlement mode is just so uh, polarizing. Some people love it and some people really hate it. I know. I know. Let's get some call-ins going, shall we? Yeah. Let's bring in... Oh, wow. We have a lot of people in the... In the really? The call-in Yeah. There's like six people in there. Let's, so get people some, in the let's get some fresh blood in here then, yeah? Oh, okay. I was just going to mention the people in the comments saying they wanted the Sean Mason. Uh, <laughs> there was only the, call, we're limiting it to two, right? So that's how my, my theory yeah. is like, we should, we should, we should get some fresh blood in. And you we'll want to bring Drunk Volcano? He's been there since the beginning. Yeah, we'll do Drunk Volcano. All right, sweet. Hey, Drunk Volcano, welcome. What up, PMs? How's it going? What's going on, man? How you doing? It's it's going. Oh, look at fresh. He's got the oh, shades. Wow. We got the, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love it. I have a very important question that's been bothering me for weeks. All right. Okay. Weeks. Let's weeks. hear it. Let's hear it. We're here to help. Oh, it's four weeks since this show started. Okay. <laughs> what does the 15 caps mean on the overlay? <laughs> what does it mean? Literally oh, what? nothing. Oh, okay. Literally nothing. What? Because here's the thing. <laughs> this wasn't even a part of the original design. It was just there. I think the idea that I'm going to guess is that it's a comic book cover, if you will. And so what okay. was happening was you would have, I think on the top right of most comics, like the, you'd see like 99 cents or whatever, or a dollar. And I think that's what he was going for with the 15 caps. <laughs> All right. I have yeah. lost sleep for the past four weeks thinking about <laughs> this, okay? No, All right. tonight you can sleep easy knowing yeah, that it's I, Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's our pleasure, man. It's a weekend. I can finally sleep. All right. Second question. <laughs> Did okay. you, have you guys played Back for Blood during, uh, after the release? No, uh, I haven't touched it yet. Only a little bit. I haven't played a lot or enough to have like a, a crazy full opinion on it, but I can I can talk on it a little bit if you have a question. Did, on it. did you play with friends? And if so, how many people? Uh, when I played, it was with a party of, I want to say two, three. I'm trying to remember. Um, I played with a couple of people. Yeah, not solo. All right. This game, I want to love it, but despise it. Okay. Mm. So, you know, the three difficulties, right? You have yeah. Yeah. Recruit, which is just brain dead easy, and then veteran with two people actually playable. You get three people in that game, impossible to play. I was wondering if you guys have experienced that at all. Not yet. It's free on Game Pass, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I've been okay, playing gonna, it on. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to try it because I'm definitely not going to pay $60 for it. But if it's free on Game oh. Pass, then I'll jump in. Mm, uh, <laughs> if you try it, play it on PC. God, the oh. controls. Oh. The controls. On a good console is just god awful garbage. Wow. <laughs> like, okay. Coming in with the head. My the bar is low right now. My expectations they're 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 gone. So you're saying yeah. that the, the highest difficulty it, it's too hard? Is that what you were? No, not even the highest. Oh. The second difficulty. You know what? Wow. It's funny you mentioned that because when I previewed it, that was one of my complaints. Is I I fired up Nightmare and I said, hey, this is actually weirdly difficult and not in a fun way like we were getting mowed down two buildings in into the first campaign 
And I didn't understand why that was the case. And I thought to myself, I, I chalked it up to my lack of expertise. I thought there was something with the card system. Um, and that's what I've heard with Back for Blood is it's something to do with the card system. But that was the problem mm -hmm. with the design of the game is a lot of people were saying, we just want to hop into Nightmare. And because we're good or because we know the strats or the routes, we can complete this campaign at the highest difficulty. So I wonder if your struggles are tied to that. Are you a high level in Back for Blood? I know you said you weren't enjoying it. So I don't know how much well, time you're sinking in it. I've put maybe five, five-ish hours. Okay. And then because basically I stopped because I start getting my ass kicked, mm. get a little pissed <laughs> off, yeah, of leave. Course. Of course. But I can see where you're coming from with the card system. Because there is 16 pages of cards mm -hmm. you can choose wow. from. Yeah, that's a lot. So, so, and then there's no solo progression, by the way. So solo, you can try out all the cards. But you get stuck with the brain dead AI and get no progression. Yes, the AI so there's is no really point. Bad. I remember that specifically. Wow. The AI is very bad. Mm -hmm. yeah. so you have to play co-op, or you can't really. You have to play co-op if you want to progress. But if you if you don't got somebody to kidnap like a buddy, and yeah. you're playing with randoms where the difficulty scales due to the amount of players, mm -hmm. you're just screwed. Yeah, you can't play. Yeah, that's so disappointing. I mm -hmm. at least. Hopefully they'll they'll fix it though, because I imagine scaling difficulties in something they can't patch out, you know. Yeah, because yeah, it is so noticeable. Mm -hmm. I, my biggest so, deal breaker, as as Jake just said in chat, for me was the no solo progression. I not that I plan mm -hmm. on playing it by myself, but that's just a really puzzling oversight that they're gonna get rid of. They've said, but it's just a very strange thing to me. It's yeah. hard to get four people together at the same time, especially if you really want to like finish the whole campaign. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, everybody's older. Oh, and the, and the campaigns are long too. Yes, wow. really long. Yeah, part of me likes that though, to be honest with you. So, mm -hmm. are you a Left 4 Dead fan? Like you played it before? Yeah, I played two on Xbox 360. I've played it with mods on PC. I'd like to say I'm a thorough enjoy enjoyer of Left 4 Dead. Right. But oh, dude, the player, the AI, just <laughs> kills me. I'll be getting like uh, you know, the one that spits on you with the webs. Right. They're just standing there. Mm -hmm. watching me mm -hmm. wow. why they spaz out yeah. i don't know if you've seen it before but the ai will spaz out real quick before doing anything it's just painful yeah. it's the same with the ones on the walls the sleepers yeah yeah, yeah. same thing yeah dude that's so many games this year are suffering from bad ai like death loop death loop is really bad. horrible ai and what's funny is people deny that paul and they just released a new update and i looked at the notes first thing they said the most yeah. significant improvement they made fucking ai i was like they knew. They knew the AI is, was busted and not responsive. Isn't it funny that this game's getting like or got like ten out of tens from so many companies, but then or media organizations, but then like they they really. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a patch that fixes something substantial about the game. Yeah, like, that they so said weird. was fine and working. It's like, yeah, hey, I wonder yeah. how much everyone's paying attention. <laughs> yeah, for real. Anyway, but my my second question is: Sorry, sure, sure no, is have you ever experienced a game where playing co-op has punished you? I I you know I feel like I have. I'm gonna have to think about what it is, but I know there's a 
um a few games oh genshin impact that's that's what i was gonna say mm. genshin impact how like the combat works is you have synergy for your four party members and they all work together you have like your they don't have classes I've played, I'm familiar. yeah yeah so yeah you know how it works right but yeah. when you go into co-op if it's not with someone you know you you automatically you're limited to two characters mm -hmm. you can't bring your whole party and if you go in with three people then you have one character so or two characters for the host and the one for the everybody else so being limited to one character can be like really detrimental and you have to have a lot of uh team play going on but it's just so much easier and there's not rewards for doing co-op it's just they need to fix co-op in that game but well, for, for me the problem with co-op and genshin impact was is when exploring the world i don't know if they changed this i played on one they, they have you you can't co-op yeah. so me and my buddies were hyping up co-op because it's 15 levels to co-op mm -hmm. and it's like oh wow we can do these raids that i can easily solo who cares yeah raids and it's just like a room of enemies you it's fight what bumped me it. out a little bit you know i just I, I that was one of the parts i was excited about for me my answer would probably be it's gonna be a recent one but it's it ties to a ton of games far cry 6 uh, because what happens mm. is I can't stand co-op games that, that punish your progression where there's no mm. carryover that you're the person who joins you joins as a partner and their progression isn't synchronized. Cause then it's not worthwhile co-op. It's just, you're yeah. playing together, I, but like one of us is making progress and I could even think of something I don't, I don't like, even though it's not part of the design. I don't like dark souls co-op, for example, bloodborne co-op. It's so archaic and strange. The summoning circles, the, the passwords. I'm like, just put a fucking invite system in, let people play co-op. Let it be that simple. If people want to solo it, which most purists will, they can do it. But I don't know why there there's this like weird navigation to co-op as someone who so, has soloed almost every single souls game, bloodborne, yada, yada, yada. Like, to me, I don't see the big deal, but that to me, that's the most frustrating one. But I would probably pick something along the lines of, of course, Far Cry Six. That that progression punishment is is awesome to me. I remember joining your game in Far Cry Six, and I, I was so convinced that they had progression because for some reason I thought in a trailer that they said like multiplayer progression was a thing, and I did like a whole arc with this guy, like probably what two or three hours of gameplay. One of the worst mm -hmm. arcs, by the way. And then when I got to my game, back to my game the next day, because we both reviewed it and we had to get it out by embargo, I had to go through and do that whole section again. And it's, that section is the part with like all the cringy dialogue and all that. So it was, no. it was not. You just fun. feel empty inside. Yeah. It's like, what happened? That, <laughs> sorry. That's, that's, that, I played 24 hours of Far Cry 6 so far. Mm -hmm. So I haven't beaten it yet because it's been taking a break. But uh, I don't blame you. Me. <laughs> I would join in on my dad's game, and then, like, you don't want to do certain story missions because of the three separate areas, so, like, I was in, like, the middle area, my dad was in, like, the first area all the way in the top, it's like, right. I don't want to experience the story with him, love my mm -hmm. dad, but don't want to play, <laughs> and redo the story again on my own game. Right, yeah. It just, not, it just not for me. It removes the, the incentive to go up. I mm -hmm. agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, Volcano, it's been a blast speaking with you. Thank you for yeah, coming with the hype, you, the energy, you. great microphone, shades. We hope you come in, uh, call in <laughs> yeah, again. Dude, it was great talking to you. Well, dude, I, right I signed now. up. I clocked out of work, working from home. <laughs> I signed up for Patreon. I was like, I have to know Let's go. what the 15 <laughs> caps mean. No, I can't we will, take it anymore. We will always reward people's curiosity on this show. So we appreciate you calling in. Thank you for signing up as well. It means a lot. And, and please don't hesitate to call in again. We'd love to talk with you. We'll do. All right. See yeah. you guys. Take it easy. Thanks for coming. Bye. I cannot emphasize enough to the audience how big of a difference it makes when you show up like that. That was hype. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. That was great. I love that.
who else have we got in the uh, in the calling list here? There's a lot of people. Do you want to pick? Because I picked last time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's pick. Um, let's pick Arctic's World Forty Six or Arctic's Word. Let's get them. Ar in. I think it's Arctic Sword. That's Arctic my sword? guess. Yeah, you're probably. Well, 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 let's ask him. Let's see yeah. what it is. Yeah. What's Arctic. Up, Arctic Sword. Hello. <laughs> Arctic's Word. Arctic Sword. We'll see. The mic is currently muted, so we'll see if they a, they undeaf or seconds. not. Yeah, we'll, we'll give them some time here. But yeah, that was that was awesome. Came in with the shades, called this pimps. Dude, I like, loved it. Yeah. Hey, we can hear you. Hello. All right. Hey. There we go. Yeah. There, hey. there he is. Hi. How's it going? I'm all right. How Welcome. you guys doing? We're doing well. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm a longtime subscriber, Maddie. Uh, ever since the days of uh, you discovered Fallout Three on uh, PlayStation Three. Oh uh, my god! Oh wow! That is a that is a throwback. The one where I was like kicking a box around my room. You mean? <laughs> you were getting like mad at like, and then like you did like the new Vegas thing where you was playing with like Rust, and you oh, get like super mad too. Dust, yeah, yeah. yeah the dust expand or the uh, dust mod. The dust. Yeah. That, that was great. Anyway, uh, it's great to meet you. What's on your mind? Um, so like, I know that you, that you guys are going to get into the avowed thing a little bit later, mm -hmm. but I was kind of wondering, you know, like with, you know, them kind of obsidian now kind of doing like their own, like take on like Elder Scrolls and stuff. Like, do you think that, uh, that you know, Bethesda will kind of like see that and will kind of maybe not copy them, but kind of like, okay, well, we got to set our, our game for, you know, Elder Scrolls six or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, because I mean, obviously, you know, with Skyrim being, you know, probably 15 years old by the time those posts comes out you gotta think they're like okay well they gotta do something really really good you know todd keeps saying how they kept waiting for the technology and stuff so i'm wondering you know right you know if they because you have to like they have to take a look at the landscape around them because like have to they that they kind of kind of play catch up in a way almost um mm -hmm. and you know starfield being a you know with starfield you know they're kind of going to show us how what they can do now but I'm just kind of wondering what your take on that is like, you know, with them maybe looking at the landscape and going, well, we can do this better or what maybe what we could do now that we couldn't before or something like that. Yeah. It's a really uh, interesting perspective that you bring up that I'd never considered. The reason for that is because I never thought, and it's really important for the design of their game. Are they going to make a sequel to Skyrim literally as in like, what do we do to bring Skyrim forward? Or are they going to make effectively a step forward in the design of what Starfield shows? Cause what I mean by that is you look at Fallout and Elder Scrolls and they share a ton of similarities now. Um, those, they share designs and, and how their worlds are structured. And so you have to wonder, will Bethesda be taking a look at their own products and how do you follow up what they've made? Or are they going to look across the uh, the studio space, we'll say, at Obsidian and what they're doing? So that's a really great perspective to, to bring into focus. Paul, I want to start off with you. You know, What do you, what do you think they're going to do for starters? Well, I think that... I think the smart choice would be to, you know, look at Obsidian because you, the, the community loves Fallout New Vegas, right? And I, I refuse to believe Bethesda doesn't know that. I don't. They can put their head in the sand as much as they want. Yeah. They know everybody loves New Vegas. So we talked about this, I think, last time or on the second episode. But they really need to like look at what was done there and try to replicate something, especially with Starfield. Um, but as for the Elder Scrolls, I think they're going to stick to stick to their guns with how they want to, you know create that because it's like their baby right it's todd's baby i don't think that they're going to try and take inspo from anyone and they'll probably develop it how they want to develop it so i don't think they're going to take uh, a lot from obsidian or even any other 
um, game dev studio, but it would probably be smart for them to do that because they, they, they only can have so many chances before people just stop buying their games, you know? Like with Star Starfield has to be good or it's going to be, <laughs> it won't be good if it's not good. You know what I, I mean? Agree. It's just right. Not, it's going to be a problem. Right. And because uh, like you can look at like, you know, Fallout 4 was kind of, you know, you know, love it or hate it, it's its own thing. And then, you know, with the launch of 76, you know, people have, and everything that happened after with Fallout first and everything, you know, people really, you know, need to trust them again. And Starfield is that chance. But, you know, mm -hmm. looking forward, even after that, you know, like, there's just so much that like they need to do as like a studio to just make sure that like, Hey, you know, we are Bethesda. We are still here. And like, you know, we are the studio that brought you these great games and, and, uh, and then we can still make though these great games for you, for you guys to play, you know? And I just think that, you know, maybe them taking a look at you know, the area around them. Cause you know, even if in, in 2015, when Fallout 4 came out, like um, people were taking a look at like other games, like Witcher 3 and stuff and just going, well, I mean, you have stuff like this and like, yeah, there's mm -hmm. no Fallout 4 still good or whatever but it's like there's so many th things that like they could have done maybe different or better or whatever but um but now with it being you know several years later like i said i think that they just need to maybe look not I mean like copy anybody but just take a look around them and just kind of you know like like scan the environment see what's going on yeah, yeah scan the environment their, yeah. their games i agree i I think it's going to be obviously easier to tell which direction they should go in after Starfield. Right now, I, I do believe it's really easy to say Bethesda, go copy Obsidian because you, you fucked up Fallout 76. But we've seen kind of what happens when Bethesda tried to stop following Obsidian's footsteps. When you look at the narrative structure of Fallout 4 compared it to New Vegas, they tried to do the four factions, different pathways with a ton of different endings that sort of culminate in the same area, but like different outcomes. And they didn't really do it that well. I thought they made a fun video game to play, and I enjoyed so many different things about Fallout 4, but I don't think they came close to what Obsidian did. And I always say this, Paul, you, you know, I made a video together on it, but I think New Vegas in a lot of ways was the product of Fallout 3 uh, in the sense of Fallout 3 laid out a blueprint, like here's how the world works, here's how the HUD works. Like all the design was done for the game. So effectively, New Vegas just got to play in a, in a whole new world space and focus on story and choice. Um, and they did phenomenal because that yeah that's all they had to really focus on exactly right? yeah exactly that that that's why I think that game did so well not to take away from what Obsidian did but they, mind you they did this in eighteen months so a lot of the 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 heavy load lifting was done um, so I think it's once again really easy to tell Bethesda Game Studios after some of their recent releases to go copy Obsidian we did see them try to do it I don't think they did it that well I think what's going to be interesting is if Starfield comes out and let's talk about if Starfield's good. Then that's a whole different conversation. It's like, do you try to bring elements of Starfield, let's say, uh, how exploration works in that game? Because we don't normally think of, say, vehicles in um, in any Bethesda game, whether it be Fallout or, or of course, there's horseback in uh, Elder Scrolls. But we don't. I, I personally never travel on horseback in Elder Scrolls. I think it's such a waste of time. Um, but with Starfield, we're gonna. I could imagine we're gonna see starships. And being able to fly around, there, there in space. has to be, Something has to like be that. right. And it's like, well, now how does traversal work? My theory has always been with the way the timeline for Elder Scrolls Six will likely pan out, and it's going to be set in Hammerfell. That's practically a guarantee at this point. Is I think you're going to see them evolve. How Skyrim had those big battles of dragons, and they felt kind of janky into pretty much what Elder Scrolls Online tries to do now with those huge, like dozens of players versus dozens of players mm -hmm. wars. Uh, except making making it single player, like real time destruction. Like I think that's where they're gonna go with it. That's my prediction currently. And for that, you know, they should just trust themselves because it's very easy to think short term, especially in gaming, because 
it takes so long for a game to come around. But in my opinion, Bethesda Game Studios has made four Game of the Year titles, one of them being a Game of the Generation with Skyrim in a row, and really Morrowind being a Game of the Generation, and Oblivion being generation-defining. Like They've accomplished so much that, for me, it rocked my confidence on them, but it has not rocked my faith in the idea that they know what they're doing. They keep a lot of their staff. Very few of them have left where I think they can figure it out. So for me, it's like, yeah, take notes from Obsidian. Don't put yourself, you know, your head in the sand. But I think they can trust themselves to get the job done. I, I hope that yeah. one thing with Hammerfell is, or whatever, Elder Scrolls Six. I hope they take the hand-to-hand -hand combat and evolve it in some way. Because so many games have way better sword combat than like the hacky, slashy stuff that we see in um, Skyrim. And I would love to see them do something with it. Even like even like The Witcher, I know that's third person, but I enjoy that combat more than Skyrim's. And The Witcher isn't really notorious for its combat, so mm. it would be interesting to see how they that's develop totally. that. Absolutely. Well, that was a great question, Arctic. We appreciate you calling in, and it'll carry right into our, our first news topic, actually, so it's a great transition, too. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys so much. Of course. Yeah, Thank you. Talk with you soon. All right. Nice. That Good was a, that was like you said perfect for a transition into what we're talking about next. Yeah. So let's do it up. Now we get into the news. We'll have more call-ins later on the show. We'll tag the server when those call-ins go. So for those who are listening live, if you want to tab out of the, the waiting room and then we'll catch you later on, we'll, we'll tag the server again because that was probably our best series of call-ins, I think. That was a really that was is what I envisioned with our show. Like just getting mm -hmm. different perspectives, different questions that we never considered. Like when I was thinking about talking about Avowed for this week, I didn't think of that angle. So that's what we that's why yeah. I love this idea. And I, I honestly I'm seeing more and more people like getting it, getting what our perspective is and how this show can be special. So shout out again to the audience for making the show better. It it means yeah. a lot. It helps a lot. I think people are growing more comfortable with like signing up to the Patreon and joining, mm -hmm. which I think is awesome because like you said, it brings those perspectives in. Um, I'm sure now our, our vow discussion will be like totally different because of that. Yeah. Um, and there's also a lot of humor in there too. Like, you know, yeah. the, the drip up, guy. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like it's, it's great. great. It adds some flair to the, to the show, some personality. Absolutely. Differentiates it from the original ham, which is your, your vision. Yeah. Which is, which is great. So again, shout out to the audience. Thank you all so much for joining us live or calling in. We did have a couple of super chats along the way. One was from two, sorry, was from Selfish Burrito. One was just a $1 super chat. The other was $2 saying, got Demon Slayer on PS5, support those games on Xbox. I understand. I do have an explanation for that. The reason I got it on PS5, the group got it on PS5. You don't play fighting games by yourself. Sorry. No. The competition is what keeps you in. Yeah, absolutely. In absolutely. I'm not, I'm not playing Smash by myself. No, right? I'm not. I, all those hours <laughs> yeah. came from online. All like, I yeah. had 200 hours in it. All online. All my Isabel grinding to get to Smash, uh, whatever to they're on. Like, top. Jump off a fucking bridge. That too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you thrown curse words at me? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I get violent in Smash. When when you and I Dude, play... You and get you, pissed off. Yeah. It's it, so funny. It's like the one game that can really tilt me because I... I fight against you and I fight against fucking Brian and and both of you have this quiet confidence when you beat me that I'm like fuck you like you don't get to do that to me. <laughs> yeah, you it's so funny like seeing that side of you where you just get so angry. Um and it's just I'm I'm excited to see it in Demon Slayer cuz it's going to be the same thing, you know. I'm going to be a Shinobu main that's going to piss uh. you off for whatever reason. 
and you're gonna get you're gonna get super angry. So. Yeah, probably because it's of course it's a waifu. Like I'm gonna be running around with Zenitsu like a normal guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Avowed now. So uh, over this past week, we got a pretty big leak from Jez Corden of Windows Central Gaming. He wrote uh, a, a huge thing on how Avowed is honestly one of his most anticipated Xbox exclusives now. And it's a game that we've wanted details on for a while because I think Obsidian is arguably Microsoft's most significant uh, acquisition when you look at their studio flexibility and the amount of projects they're working on between Outer Worlds 2, Avowed. You've got Grounded in there as announced things. And then Josh Sawyer's working on his own project. Carrie Patel's working on her own project. There's a lot of things happening underneath the hood where I am predicting this could be, to some extent, Xbox's Insomniac. Maybe not as super talented and flexible with you know, pop culture IP, but I think we're going to see a lot of impressive stuff out of the studio. Avowed being what I think is the the stamp on the industry. That's going to be where they make their first big step in becoming known outside of core gamers. So it's wild that they're working on both Avowed and Outer Worlds too, like mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting Which- is is Outer Worlds too. I'm very confident that they finished the first game and they started on the sequel right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. job listings, LinkedIn's sources have told me that. Uh, but beyond that, I was able to confirm it by looking at those other aspects, like a LinkedIn profile. They started it right away. So I wouldn't be surprised if we got Outer Worlds 2 by like 2024, 20, late 2023. Um, you think Avowed's going to be after that then? I think Avowed, Avowed, it's interesting. I don't know because we were talking on Defining Duke and Ryan McCaffrey thinks Avowed's coming like 2024. I think it's 2023. I would be very surprised if Avowed was longer than that uh, because when Jez played it in his write-up, he mentioned it's it's in a playable state now. Um, what he saw was pre-alpha and they're entering like effectively like the full-on production of the game now because all the systems are in place. Um, and from there, it's, so, it's sort of full speed ahead and then you go into to rigorous testing. Um, so what he wrote in his... In his uh, whole article which by the way everyone should go check out shout out to jazz uh he he broke down the combat system we'll start off there he mentioned how it's very much skyrim inspired but what's interesting is the evolution of it and it, it ties into our right or our call in a little bit earlier with arctic where you you really have to think about how elder scroll 6 may have to take a look at this so the way you described it is it's the two-handed first-person combat system. They didn't mention any third person, so I'm thinking that's out, which sucks because Outer Worlds left that out as well, and I thought that was really disappointing. Um, but anyway, there was spells uh, like Jolting Touch, Fireball. Fireball could burn down environmental objects, clear out doorways that were blocked previously. Um, there was uh, Ketrid Touch, I believe is what it was called, or Karis Touch, something like that, uh, which was like a status effect. You can imbue your weapons with magic, which we saw, of course, in the reveal trailer for Avowed. There was the mentioning of melee combat having abilities tied to face buttons, so you could dodge, shield bash, uh, kick with these face buttons, and then you could use spells in both hands and use, like, say, turn that fireball into a much more powerful version of that. There was bow and arrow, dual daggers, so I want to start off with just the gameplay systems, what we know there. We'll talk about exclusivity, uh, or I'm sorry, not exclusivity, but story details, if it's open world or not in a sec. But what do you think of effectively an evolution of Skyrim's combat system? Well, it's just like what I said when the guy tapped, what was his name? Uh, Arctic, Arctic Sword. Yeah. I don't want to say the guy. That kind of sounds so mean. <laughs> that Arctic guy. Sword, <laughs> yeah. When Arctic Sword tapped in and he was talking about uh, how the Elder Scrolls is going to respond, um, it's sort of what I was saying. Like, I hope they evolve like the combat because I don't really enjoy Sky- Skyrim's combat is 
okay. It, I think it works well for, for its time, but it's very... I don't want to say clunky because I don't think that's the right word. It's very dated and very mm-hmm. hack and slashy, and I didn't. I don't like that for for um, for a sword to sword combat game. So, the fact that they're looking to evolve that, inspire off of it, and make it better, big thumbs up for me. Yeah. Big thumbs up. It's a good sign in my opinion, and I'm excited to see. I, I want to see some actual gameplay. This gameplay sounds really really intriguing. The yeah. article was very descriptive with a lot of like you know big buzzwords. So. It it definitely um it's definitely something that I think once people lie their eyes on it's gonna be that kind of what we assumed based off the reveal trailer of oh this is Obsidian Skyrim which mm-hmm. I think sounds really good because we've seen a lot of games since Skyrim came out try to be like Skyrim like even Dragon Age Inquisition when you look at the hinterlands you can't tell me that they took one look at Skyrim and went oh yeah let's try to do that in our already big RPG it's very obvious. So Skyrim's influence is very apparent here in the combat, but he also described the world space as much more colorful, akin to the outer worlds, where Skyrim felt a lot more grounded in, if you will, realism. It didn't use a super saturated color palette like the outer worlds where it made use of purples and yellows, which is kind of different for video games. He he described like luminescent caves, flora that was glowing. So what do you think of, of that beyond uh, also mentioning hey, that this may not be open world. This is likely going to be a bunch of hub worlds connected, but he, he said he can't say that for sure, so we can't run a mile with that, but I think it's absolutely worth discussing. So what do you think of what he's, he said so far about Avowed's world? Um, I think it was it sort of ties into what I was thinking about with the, the, the combat. I hope that the vibrancy and stuff sort of like elevates to like looking like a next-gen game. Mm. I, I know that sounds kind of funny, but I'm, I hope that it's a... Actually, is it confirmed as to whether or not it's next-gen exclusive or it, not? It'll be. By the time it releases, okay. it'll definitely be. Okay. Well, yeah. So um, I, I'm thinking about like Demon Souls, like the remake, and how some of the environments like in the original game were so dull and very like washed out. And obviously, it's because the game is really, really old. But when you go back to, or when you go to the remake, it's so much more colorful, bright, mm-hmm. vibrant. Um, another game I was playing recently was Tales of Arise, which also has really colorful environments. And um, I'm just a fan of that, especially in like 4K, like these super high resolutions. It just yeah. looks so good. And I think that's sort of why we're seeing more games sort of in, uh, embrace that. And I'm glad about yeah. it as well, especially with spells. Like in Demon's Souls, casting spells, like, it was so cool seeing like the, what's it called? The um, the little wand you have, it's called a... I don't know. I never, I never did a magic build in that game, actually. Now well, yeah, because it. it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I did the, the melee build, personally. Um, whatever the wand is called. I th- oh, a catalyst. When you, like, cast a spell, it's the status effect is just looks so cool. It glows blue and con- it contrasts to the environment so well. And um, mm-hmm. coming across, like, fires in the in the dimly lit castle, they're so bright. So if, if a Vowed can do that, but even more with the environments, like, bright, fluorescent, neon-looking things, I would love that. Yeah. I'm all about that personally. I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, just at one point the industry turned a corner and just started to really go crazy with color. And I think it's a good sign because they haven't looked back. Um, yeah. I, I just, the 360 I, era, like, oh I don't want to cut you off. No, no, you're it's good. So dull and like, oh, God. <laughs> Going back to Mass Effect 3, it's like a good example. That's actually right where I was going to go because, really? I, yeah, I remember. One of my favorite things about the leap to the three six, or I'm sorry, the Xbox One and the PS4 was games on the 360. I have so much love for them. Games on the PS3, I have a lot of love for them too, but they looked grainy 
And it was yeah. it was that and it was the lip sync that always bothered me. And I never thought gaming mm-hmm. would get there because it just it fell out of reach for so long. It's like, oh, I've spent was it like eight years with these consoles and we still have yet to see this properly be done. And that transition over, you've started to see more sharp images, deep saturated colors, again, less lip sync. Yes, less it's, yeah, it's so been good. it's been so much better on a visual front. It and was it even, was even escaping just hyper realism, just art style, it, it's improved mm-hmm. immensely. Oh my god, so many games like Hades I'm playing right now. I'm looking at it on my screen. Like it just the art style is so much more interesting than like your dark, gritty, mm-hmm. like nonsense. Mass Effect 3. Right? I remember I beat two remake and I was moving into three. I they did a remake with that as well, right? And I guess two was remade for sure. Yeah, three they, they were more, both remastered. All of them were remastered. One only okay, had so, the the remake touch-ups, if you will. Okay. Yeah, so three, it just looks so Two was really bright, colorful, and even the models just looked a lot better. Then I moved into three, and I was like, "This looks so bad." Yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> but it's was. In that era, yeah, it's in that era where games are like darker, grittier, less color. Oh, I don't know, I don't like it. Mass Effect Three was really high contrast. If you go and look at the originals, it, it was really high contrast. Like especially when you look at Shepard's outfit. I think part of it's also the film grain in Mass Effect. But when you right. look at Shepard's outfit, like when he was wearing the the, the very dark N seven outfit in in Mass yeah. Effect Three, like it, you could practically see the grain on the grain. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um. But anyway, back to Avowed. When it comes to its open world structure or maybe lack thereof. I took this as kind of good news. Uh, you talked about fatigue at the beginning of the show with JRPGs. For me, a lot of my fatigue is really baked into open worlds because we're not seeing an evolution of them. Uh, what I mean by that is I don't mind if your design is, and I don't mean to keep ragging on Far Cry 6, but if your design is checklist, that's okay with me. But it's about how interesting do you make it to approach your checklist. So I was talking with one of our good friends, Soul about Sonic Rangers, this rumored Ubisoft-style open-world Sonic game um, where they said it's going to be kind of like that. And I said, he went, well, would you like that? Because, you know, I slander Sonic all the time. And I'm like, actually, I probably <laughs> would, at least on paper, because the way Sonic controls and the way that you would have to go about an open-world would be vastly different from any other series out there because he's so fast and he does so many different things. And if you included other playable characters, you actually might have something interesting there. And that could apply for a number of different open world titles. That's why I like Dying Light. It's parkour and it's open world and you get a grappling hook. Like going around it is interesting, even though I'm just completing basic objectives. Um, There's so many other examples out there. Uh, So when I heard through Jez's report here that maybe Avowed is actually hub-based, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm cool with this. Obsidian's proven themselves since KOTOR 2 that they are really good at this, that they can take these condensed areas and create stories within stories where the arcs happening in each self-contained area is very interesting, but also it connects to the overarching plot, which keeps you engaged uh, throughout the whole experience. Now, if they're going to do an open world with real choice and consequence, which I typically don't trust, like we've seen what's happened with Cyberpunk, I feel like Obsidian could nail it due to their history. With Fallout seventy mm-hmm. or um, with Fallout New Vegas, not seventy six. <laughs> oh, I um, yeah, I, I actually, one. I I was kind of encouraged by by the signs of maybe a hub world, and I was wondering if you were in the same boat, or would you rather Obsidian go open world with something like Avowed? If if we're looking at the Obsidian that made New Vegas, I would love to see them do open world because we saw them do open world Fallout, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw New Vegas. And I'd I'd argue that the choices you make definitely impact the open world. Um, I, the, the immediate thing that comes to mind is being hunted down by legionnaires or NCR rangers or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, I don't really know necessarily is the, if there's much else outside of that that really impacts the world, but I think the one thing that really made it feel like your choices uh, had impact was the reputation system mm-hmm. uh, with all, all the different factions. So with Avowed, um, depending on like what the narrative is looking like in the story, if we're looking at a bunch of different factions, it would be interesting to see an open world, but... I'm not against the idea of more of like a hub system branching out like what like I guess Monster Hunter would be a good way yeah. to look at it. Sort of wait that's another topic we're talking about with Pokemon Legends and the the open world debate. But yeah, open world games can bring a lot of fatigue, especially if you have something like Far Cry six where mm-hmm. almost like barely any envir- environmental storytelling, um, a huge open world and the only density there are these repetitive, monotonous tasks that you can go accomplish on a checklist. So, I don't know. I trust Obsidian to to do the open world and get it right. But if it's not, if they want to try something different, I, I'm in support of that because they're already borrowing from Skyrim, right, with the combat. Right. So if if how much do they want to borrow? Do they also want to do an open world, or do they want to try their own thing? Mm-hmm. Whatever they think is going to be good, I trust, and I'm interested in seeing what they make. Yeah. I agree entirely. And, you know, what's interesting is we'll always keep calling back to New Vegas, but there has been some staff turnover that that can't be ignored. Like Chris Avalon's no longer there. A lot of Obsidian staff has exited since uh, New Vegas came out. It's just kind of the nature of the industry. It's why I always emphasize with Bethesda Game Studios, they're such a rare example where people are working there for a decade plus consistently. Like it's not just a couple people. It is very much across the board people spend lots of years at bethesda game studios which is great they're keeping their their teams employed as they grow them uh that's how it should be but um with obsidian's a little bit different they've had a lot of turnover they've had some internal strife that a lot of people i think try to forget about um and while they've made good games since then i think hubs have always been their bread and butter i do want to see them expand though because i think if avowed is to be the true stamp that says like pay attention to us and gets millions of sales and and millions of people paying attention to Obsidian like they do on the level of Bethesda Game Studios, you'd have to imagine they have to go open world. They ha- If they're yeah, trying to make a sure. Skyrim-like game, you'd have mm-hmm. to say they should go open world. Even as someone who's biased and loves their hub-based games, I, I think the reality is that they, they should probably go open world. If they don't, certainly I'm not going to complain. I'm, I'm fine either way. But um, I, I trust that this will be a good game either way. And I simply cannot wait to see it again. That was one thing that Jez talked about to wrap up his article was how he mentioned that we're going to see Hellblade 2 at the end of this year. It's He said he'd bet money on it. Uh, he's said that in the past. I've heard as much as well uh, that Hellblade 2 should be shown off this year. But now he's put an event next to it. He said probably the Game Awards. He mentioned that it's also possible we see Avowed at the Game Awards in a two-for-one package between Hellblade 2 and Avowed. Now, with the speculation right now, we're going to say 2023. I think it's 2023. Do you think showing a trailer at the 2021 Game Awards is a little too early for Avowed? Um, n- so, are we talking like gameplay trailer? That's the thing. I don't... I'm yeah. imagining it, so. Because we, we got a confirmation like, oh, it's set in the Pillars universe. You know, We kind of got a backdrop with the reveal trailer. Is it time for gameplay? Is it too early? I, w- I want to get some of your thoughts on that. I I never think that showing a trailer is bad as as long as you plan on um, showing stuff periodically so people don't forget about it or lose interest. Mm. So I think there's nothing wrong with them doing that and going to the Game Awards and being like, hey, look, 
remember about yeah here's some more and then giving us more at e3 and then i think if they keep people fed once they show that trailer but i would like for them to do something because honestly before like this news came out it was sort of like I didn't forget about Avowed, but it wasn't something I was like thinking about often mm-hmm. or it wasn't like a game I was really looking forward to a lot because the trailer came out and then as far as I remember, there probably has been some sort of news, but it was kind of like relatively radio silent. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with them coming out and giving us another trailer. I think that would be cool. Yeah, certainly you'll have no argument for me on a trailer. You know, I've gone back and forth. I'm like, is it time for gameplay or not? Based off what Jez wrote saying, yeah, we're, you know, it's in a playable state pre-alpha though. I don't know if you want to have that be the, especially after Halo Infinite's reveal. I think Microsoft's going to be really wary of how they reveal their games and what they look like. I think just the safest bet is a story trailer. Like here's the world, here are the factions. Uh, You know, obviously Pillars of Eternity fans will pick it apart and, and, and catch all those little details. I think that would probably be the best route. Someone in chat had actually suggested, uh, Dave Lopez did, I want to shout him out, suggested a gameplay engine trailer to give it an idea of how the gameplay will actually look and work and feel. But that, to me, toes the line of CGI. I would rather than paint a, a stronger picture uh, of what this universe is when the Avowed takes place in Pillar's uh, timeline because it's set in the same world. I think that would be very important to know for those who are like me and have yet to play Pillars and when they get in, like, you know, how much do we need to know about Pillars of Eternity? I think that type of stuff is, is really important to to let the audience know. And I think it's a good satiation where I can practically imagine that Hellblade 2 will be an early 2023 game at the latest, where I think that will finally see gameplay. Like, it got its reveal in 2019 with the Series X. It's been two years. Once we see it, we should be seeing more gameplay. That would just be my assumption especially with the next gen update coming out for the first talent blade you'd have to think it's time to see that game so that's that's at least where my predictions lie i think a little cgi story trailer for avowed um with gameplay at e3 2022 yeah. i i feel like if they do end up showing something at the game awards it, it wouldn't be bad necessarily because we have like this reporting sings pretty high praises of it mm-hmm. uh, and and the even like even the way that the report talked about the game was very colorful. So I'm I'm very curious. I, I want to yeah. see it in some way, shape, or form soon. Absolutely. And if I feel like um, E3 is a little ways out in terms of, like, I think it would benefit them. Like, you have this reporting, and the Game Awards is in, what, like two months from now or halfway through December. Mm-hmm. I think that keeps it fresh enough where people, they get the report, and then they see it. Versus like we wait till E3. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would necessarily have an impact on anything, but I just think it coincides really close together. Yeah. And based on what was said, it sounds like it's not, I don't want to say far along because it's in pre-alpha, but it sounds like it looks good. It yeah. looks polished. Yeah. I want to shout out uh, Notrema, I think is her, Notrema, however way you say it, um, who mentioned that this is a new IP and you definitely want to keep that in mind too, to build interest over time. This isn't like yeah. Fallout 4 where you could say, Hey, it's coming out in five months and sell 20 million copies. This mm-hmm. is it's why, for example, people were really stunned when Starfield got a release date over a year out. And I, I don't get me wrong. I was a little stunned too, but it made sense really quickly. Cause I thought, well, this is a new IP. People aren't just going to buy it because they know what, what it is. So I think, yeah, it's, it's time to remind people. Again, I keep reminding the audience. They wrote in the Xbox Wire. They're going to show us something soon. That was in June. Top, the, the clock is kick, ticking. There's no other events nearby outside of the Game Awards. I think it's practically a guarantee it'll be there. But crazier things have happened. And I, I mean, it's not like it 
needs to be there. Would I live without a story trailer? Sure. But I, I think I think it'll be there. I, I feel pretty good about that one. But I'll check sources. I'll make sure before I firm anything up. But right now, I'm feeling pretty good about it. So we'll see. Anything else you want to add on to Avowed? Or shall that be it? I think that's it. That was a, that was a good Avowed discussion. Absolutely. Let's move on to... We're going to bounce into Nintendo. And then we'll get into Fallout 3 a little bit after that. We got this new Switch Online expansion pack. So the base value of the Switch Online service will be remaining the same. But this new Switch Online pack has moved it up to over double the price at 50 bucks. I found this really interesting because they're including, of course, the N64 games, whatever gets added into those. They're including Sega Genesis and whatever gets added into those. And now they're adding in this new Animal Crossing New Horizons expansion, which I, by the way, know nothing about. So I don't know how that I got ties us. I got us covered. Don't worry. Yeah, I was going to say, you got that well, covered. I got so it. We can, we can tie those together if you'd like. But yeah, I think that'd be smart. Yeah, we'll do that then. So why don't you describe that? And then we'll, we'll get into some of the pricing details and, and whether or not this is a good thing, which I think the answer for our audience is obvious. So there's two, there's two things coming to Animal Crossing. You have the version 2.0 update, which is what I'm most excited for. Um, Animal Crossing fans out there know that New Horizons kind of dropped a lot of features and characters from previous games like New Leaf. Um, and a lot of these features, Matt, I remember when I was trying to sell you on the game, um, I was disappointed to see that New Horizons didn't have a lot of this stuff because I, I think it impacted people's uh, sort of introduction to the game. A lot of people liked it, but some people were expecting more because mm. right now it's more of like a gallery mode type game, if anything, is a good way to describe it. Like you build up your town and whatever, and people can look at it. But these new features seem to bring more life to it. Like we're seeing um, farming come to the game, okay. which is really, yeah, farming, um, cooking, I don't know necessarily what cooking does. Um, in a game like Animal Crossing, there's not really statistics for that to benefit, but it it's still cool to RPG. see. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to see them try, but uh, they're also bringing back some other characters and stuff. Uh, they're bringing like a, a new island you can go to with a character named Cap'n, which is one of my favorite Animal Crossing characters, and a boatload of just a little like sort of quality of life things like now you can place items uh, hanging from the roof mm. um, easier to decorate your house because they let you uh, make things go closer together so there's just a lot of features coming to Animal Crossing version 2.0 which is cool but the the other thing that they're releasing is the Happy Home Designer paid expansion okay. which Animal Crossing New Leaf had a a sort of like a spin-off called Happy Home Designer and you could go in and you would design homes for different villagers. Um, but it was a separate game from New Leaf. So there wasn't really a, a, there's a connection in terms of characters, but between games, there wasn't really a connection. So now this is going to be an expansion hmm. where you can go to this island resort and decorate uh, different uh, locales for different villagers, depending on what they want. Um, it's, it's not going to be up everyone's alley. It's not really up my alley that much, but I'm still going to be getting it because you can bring a lot of the stuff you get from there back to your island at home interesting so i'm i'm glad it's an expansion not just a spin-off because it adds on to new horizons and adds more content to it which is what that game desperately needed yeah this update is like really good for animal crossing fans but back to the nintendo thing so the what's interesting about this is the new horizons the update is free version 2.0 is free nobody will have to pay for that 
but the expansion for Happy Home Designer um, is going to be included in the Nintendo Switch expansion, or what is it called? Expansion Nintendo pack. Switch Online expansion pack, which means you'll get it for free if you use if you are subscribed to that service. Now, I have questions like, will it go away if you stop subscribing? Yeah, um, and are our future titles like not Animal Crossing, but just other games in general, are they going to put their expansions on there? I know Smash isn't, right? They make so much money with Smash characters that I, yeah. and it probably costs a lot of money for them yeah. to bring people like Sora in. So I don't think we're going to see something like that. But what about like Breath of the Wild expansions, right? Remember those were like what, $25 for the season mm-hmm. pass? Is that going to be part of this, this new subscription model? I don't think it will. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Yeah, like this, this is just um, like a quick incentive. This would all be a lot easier to swallow if if they were doing what you were talking about. If it wasn't just, for example, New Horizons, they're like, yeah, all of our first party games moving forward. If you are an owner of them, their DLC will be free. If you are subscribed to our service, there would be no arguments from anybody. Dude, that would be great for. I would pay fifty dollars a month or a year for that. That's perfect. Yeah, because like Cause... again, you mentioned Smash, and it's like, oh well, they make so much money. They shouldn't have to do that. But I'm like, if they were saying that to me, like you always have the Smash characters there. It's like, I play Smash a lot still. So it's like, yeah, having mm-hmm. those. And if they did something for Luigi's Mansion or Astral Chain or whatever, like all of our exclusive games or all our first party games, whichever they want to qualify it as, having those be a part, like those DLCs be a part of that service would make it an easier pill to swallow. They haven't really communicated that yet. And just to make it clear, it says, uh, this comes from Polygon, the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack which was announced in September, will cost $50 for an individual membership and $80 for a family membership, which includes oh, up wow. to 80 to eight accounts for 12 months. Nintendo will launch this service October 25th. In comparison, the standard Nintendo Switch Online subscription tier costs $20 for an individual account and $35 for a family pack. So you do not need to upgrade, by the way, to use Switch Online to have access to the NES games, SNES games, like they're already included. But just know... That when it comes to the the Switch expansion pack, that's where the price hike comes in. That's where the N64 games, Sega Genesis games, and as Kobe documented here, the Animal Crossing New Horizons expansion for Happy Home Designer will step in. And all I gotta say, man, is I admire the balls of steel of Nintendo. This is a this is a huge penis move, is what we call this. That is <laughs> it, like it's impressive. I'm like, wow. You guys really don't fucking care, huh? Like you're just like we're gonna go for it. We're gonna we're gonna double. We're gonna go above hundred percent of our price tag currently. It's an insane level of trolling. The, well, it's Nintendo. They know people are gonna buy it. It's what I said earlier before we even knew the price tag. People are gonna buy it. We both of us are going to buy this I because we want to see. Know about, like, oh, you don't want to play the emulated emulated uh, Nintendo sixty four. If like, I were I, not, you're gonna buy. It. You're gonna buy. It. If, I know you if are. Retro rebound didn't exist. I wouldn't. But you've got me. You've got <laughs> me. <laughs> like it's gonna happen. People will buy this. I don't know if they'll stick around for a year after, but I imagine the more incentives they add to it, uh, maybe they could. Who knows what they can add to make it more more interesting? I 
I just know that Nintendo knows their audience. People will eat whatever they put out because they've got the nostalgic connection that so many companies are, like try to play into. Mm-hmm. It's it's sad, but we're just we're just consumers, man. Like that's what we're doing. We're here to eat whatever they put out, and they're putting this out, and they know people are going to buy it, and we will. And yeah. <laughs> they're going to be like counting the money all the way to the I bank. Know. I. I don't know. I feel like there's been enough pushback that's pretty widespread. I don't know how many people are really going to buy this. I don't I don't feel I'm of the mindset that I think they're going to have to knock down the price tag a little bit if if this keeps up. Maybe I'm wrong. I I I think you're you're onto something in the idea that Nintendo will see how many people will just swallow it and 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 buy mm-hmm. it, right? And I think they're going to wait as long as they can, but I think if this reaction keeps up because it's been an overwhelming like, okay, we knew the price was going to go up. We did not know it was going to go up this much. Like I was expecting mm-hmm. 10, 15 bucks, especially for Nintendo, who's got a shit ton of money in the bank. I thought 10, 15 bucks for, for what they were adding was fair. Again, this price hike would be more justifiable if, let's say, Pokemon Legend Arceus, let's say that gets an expansion. If that's included, mm-hmm. that makes it a little bit more digestible, but that hasn't been communicated yet. And I, I think I really that don't they're just, think they're going to. Yeah, I don't either. I don't trust them to. They've, they've continuously pulled the wall, the wool over the eyes, consumers, uh, upcharge them on shit. It's, you know, you're telling me this is your substitution. This is your solution for no virtual console. Instead of just creating a marketplace for those older games, you've decided to make a subscription service that's now 150% of the price of the original version with a couple of N64 games and Sega Genesis games, plus a fucking Animal Crossing expansion. Like, that's your justification when yeah. Game Pass exists like and PS Plus exists, which I know isn't perfect, but, like, that's your... Ju- like, really, it's like they live in their own world. It's incredible to watch them function. I mean, they really do. They really do. And sometimes their own world works out for them, like with the Switch and... You know, if you really look at the Switch, it's such a dated hardware mm-hmm. and like releasing the OLED, the same exact hardware with a new screen and better battery, but it works yeah. for them. But then sometimes it doesn't like with the Wii U and it really, really, really bites them in the ass. Yeah. Um, I imagine the the Switch online right now is probably profitable enough for them where they're they're really pushing the boundaries to see how much they can money they can siphon out of people, mm-hmm. even though the service is pretty ass. It's it's fucking horrible. Yeah, their online is just garbage. Uh, there's no dedicated network party chat. There's not even a messaging system on the Switch. None of that. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's, it's way too far behind for them to be charging this mm-hmm. much again. If this came with the basic functionalities of their of online services that we know already, this would be way way more digestible but it's just they're not at a place right now where they can ask for this kind of money for their online service which is and this is no exaggeration by the way in the early 2000s mm-hmm. it's literally it's that out of touch in a lot of ways uh Dude, oh, we had a messaging system it did you could, I, mess- I, you could <laughs> mail you could mail little letters to people on the Wii. There, <laughs> no one used it it was just a cute little like oh you have mail and you could, like, I think you could draw things and stuff. The Nintendo DS had PictoChat. I know that's not a dedicated. Oh hell yeah, PictoChat was the way you talk to people across the bus in my day. Yeah, dude, draw little dicks and like <laughs> send them to people. <laughs> it was great. Wrong. You're not wrong. But so yeah, the, the it's kind of it's kind of scary. Not in the sense like oh it's bad, it's it's gonna bite me, but it's just crazy what they can get away with. And I think they will get away with it. I don't think the price is gonna change. Uh, remember when Xbox wanted to change the price of gold? There was so much blowback. Mm. Uh, but 
You don't feel it's that strong for this one? No, I, I don't feel it's that strong. And even if it was, Nintendo doesn't fucking care. Like, these Japanese companies, they're... They stick to their guns, and some a lot of times I think it, it's for the better, but often it's also not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I respect yeah. sticking to the guns. It's just I don't know, man. I um, I, I I hope that they're listening closely, because the the biggest problem was when they announced Bluetooth for Switch, and like the industry lost their shit. Some of them obviously sarcastically so, but a lot of yeah. people were like, "Yes, they did it." Thank you, Nintendo. I'm thinking to myself, really? This is yeah. what it takes. And it's funny because there's situations where you got Nintendo, who I think wisely just takes advantage of those people because they're like, oh, you're free money. Sorry, fella. Mm-hmm. But then you got people like Bethesda with, I, I always bring it back to this. Like, you got a Fallout 3 remaster where we'll talk about it in a sec, but the people want stability on PC and Steam achievements and they'll buy it. And it's like, wow, they're just not taking your money. Like, they don't want to take your money on that. It's, it's admirable, but uh, it's just, it's interesting to see how that situation's different for other companies out there. But yeah, Nintendo, it'll, it, it may even be by the time this podcast goes live for everyone for free, that, that the situation changes. We'll, we'll see in due time. They, but they're, they're like in an really unburstable bubble. The only people that can burst the Nintendo bubble is Nintendo themselves. Like, like I said, like with the Wii U, like they, they really fucked up and it, it cost them a lot and they really had to shift what their next project was. But um, imagine if their game sucked. Imagine if they were like, I know it sounds weird to say, yeah. <laughs> but like, imagine if their first party games just sucked. What kind People of position would they be in? They'd be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> imagine if their third party games were on other hardware. They'd be really be fucked. Like, yeah. if I could play Mario on the on the PS5, dude, I'd be playing it on the PS5, like 4K, 60 mm-hmm. frames, or Breath of the Wild, especially. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even own a Switch. I don't care if it's handheld. I'd get a Steam Deck. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's interesting to see like how I I hope that um they they need to start like well actually they probably don't need to but it would be nice to see them start adopting things from other mm-hmm. from other companies like I feel like whenever they take something from other companies like other norms it's stuff we don't want like a subscription service mm-hmm. like like, good point. like when they they could have easily taken like party chat or you know stuff like that that's like a normal in other um other things like imagine xbox or playstation without party chat i don't really use it that much because i just use discord i think a lot of people do yeah but just it would just feel so weird Mm -hmm. no i i agree entirely i think i think they should start borrowing the good stuff from Mm -hmm. other companies so We'll see. I mean, you know, it's funny. This comes out uh, the same week that people were attacking Kotaku for calling for piracy. Now people are going like, see, see, they suck. This is why I'm going to go get Metroid Dread for free now. I'm like, you're just trying to justify being a dickhead. But I digress. Yeah. Yeah. That that whole situation was was really hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, Kotaku, the more I the more I go through like jur- school and like journalism, the more I learn about like the ethics of it. And the what you're how you're supposed to act, like the style of how you write. It's just like looking at the games journalism industry, you can see none of that. They don't give a fuck. And I think part of it is because a lot of the I don't wanna like be me into game journalists because I consider myself one in a way. A lot of them probably didn't go to school for journalism. I think a lot. Um, or if they did, they just got close to companies and yeah, you gotta, you gotta do certain. It's just a, a reality that like they're not told to, but like when you see Fanbyte, for example, not writing about China, it's because like there's a Chinese company that owns Fanbyte. So mm-hmm. when stuff happens in China, like they're interestingly silent on it, and it's because they can't. It's just you know, um, 
it's it's unfortunate. There's a lot, and, and there's certain scores that I think are. I'm not even talking about death loop on this, but there's certain scores I see around the industry that are a little bit eyebrow raisers, and then you see the ads on certain sites and how that mm. connects. And I know there's a marketing side of even even these big game publications um, that handles those things, but it's I, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I'm there's working, no such thing as paid reviews, but there, it's very interesting to see how. I look at something like IGN first and the massive amount of cash that changes hands there. And mm -hmm. that could just, I've stopped for the most part doing these big sponsored videos and just working with brands kind of separate from gaming. Cause it pollutes your, your integrity, your ability to, mm -hmm. to even, even if it's completely separate, your ability to accurately review Matt, the product. I'm working on a, a school uh, essay, right? <laughs> essay right now. Um, looking at like, uh, we, we call them ethical, something ethical situations ethical dilemmas in journalism media and communications and when i was looking for some in game journalism there's like a bunch but the one i'm, I'm grabbing from right now is kind of an older one like hmm. back when ps3 was like a big thing um someone was there there's a thing called like the games media awards by the way if i'm derailing too much we, no can, no we're good we'll, we'll move on after this no you're good okay so anyway the the point is like there's so much um there's there's a lot of really questionable things in the games industry, the games media industry, and people who speak out about it get pushed out. There's this guy who used to work at Eurogamer, I think it's Eurogamer, uh, Rob Florence, who created a, a like a, a piece on the games industry and why that it's basically glorified PR. Like especially mm -hmm. like you look at something like IGN giving Deathloop ten out of tens, like it's a little questionable. But a, a bunch of other companies did that but then there's also right. the, the idea that journalism in general is suffering from not just games journalism but um media owned or no corporate owned media mm -hmm. where they can't they don't want to report on certain things like you said with fanbite being owned by a chinese company suddenly they're very quiet on um uh chinese developments in gaming or whatever yeah, yep, yep. so it's just very interesting the more i go to school and get myself educated on uh this this field this industry how game journalism is like a laughing stock. I mean, people, people. Whenever I've seen other journalists reference it, they're like games journalism, right? Mm. Like it's it's insane how different. Um, I think it's more so entertainment journalism in general, but more games is just like the one that I'm familiar with. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's pretty scary for the industry. I hope that things change, but I don't expect them to. <laughs> no, I think it's right now. It's it's sort of like the seed has been planted, and they're they're kind of closely tied together, like the the mark because here's the thing i look at something like previews i think and this could apply to content creators too i'm not trying to trash anyone when i say this but when the pandemic began there was this new transition into i put this in quotes previews for games before the pandemic a preview meant you put your hands on the game you got to see it for what it was but you also understood this is a vertical slice that's designed to impress me and with that you walk away you give your impressions on it what has happened with the since the pandemic is there's this new style of preview that people have really drawn to for some reason, which is you watch the game, an exclusive trailer or something like that, uh, a, a developer Q and A, and you report on that. And 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 I've seen people post like, I saw Deathloop. Here are my impressions, and I'm like, 
what do you what do you mean? Like this isn't impressions. This is the worst thing for the industry right now because if you're eating out of the hands of companies on that level, like you're that thirsty for coverage that you can't say no to them. That's what I told them. I I've been honest with like Ubisoft, Bethesda, a number of these companies when they reached out, they're like, "Hey, do you want a preview Deathloop or whatever?" I'm like, "Define preview now." Like that's why I asked them. I'm like, "Can you tell me what kind of preview is this hands on?" They're like, "Oh, you'd be watching gameplay that we provided for you." I'm like, "I'll pass." I tell them every time I said, I have no interest in previewing anything of your, of your, of yours or anyone's that I can't lay my hands on because it's not a preview at that point. Yeah. You're just marketing for them. And what's happened now is you've seen even the press step into that field because they can't fall behind on coverage because the media is dying in a lot of ways. So they mm -hmm. need those day one clicks. They can't opt out. And that's what's happening is because there's been this revolt against the media partially due to the political climate, but also in the terms of gaming, just because of lack of responsibility, it's a slippery slope and that's why you're seeing that close tie. And one of those examples is that there where that is literally like you can kind of blur the lines. I think with a, a playable preview, cause I literally tell them all the time. I'm like, I'm just going to say what I want. They don't tell me to say anything, but I make it clear. It's like, yeah, I'm going to play it and I may be nice. I may not be. I'm going to tell my audience what they need to know about the game. And that's all there is to it. Not that I'm perfect, by the way, there are other previewers yeah. who do a it really good job, but my point being is, is just you see a very close connection between marketing and and game mm -hmm. development and press. And the press, I think, can be a little too deeply involved at times because of how large they are and how important they are in some respects. And this isn't new either. Like the thing I was talking about earlier, um, I remember the journalist, her name was Sarah Wainwright, and she, she tweeted out like in a contest to win a PS3, but they were basically advertising for... What was the game? Oh, God, I can't remember the game. It was a huge thing, but then Rob Florence got fired, or I think he quit because of all the hate he was getting from other journalists, people within his medium. Mm -hmm. But these journalism companies are becoming like more marketing mm -hmm. than anything, yep. more PR, um, especially with that preview issue you're talking about, which I, don't, I wasn't really super aware of. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird, and that's why people flock to people like you, people like Carrick, uh, content creators who have who are more independent yeah. who get their money directly from through patreon for from their fans mm -hmm. or through ads on on youtube they're not they're not being um no one's dangling any carrots in their faces yeah the reality yeah. is we have the ability to say no i i almost feel mm -hmm. bad for the press they kind of can't in in a manner no, of speaking yeah. because they they look very virtue signaling grandstanding if they say no and and publicize it and if they don't publicize it, they just miss out on clicks. So they have to go yeah. and do it. Whereas for us as content creators, I can go do something else. I can speak freely and just say what I said. Like, yeah, by the way, you know, and this isn't a secret because people have to say like, I saw it. I didn't play it. But that there are a lot of creators and press outlets eating up these viewable previews like they're actual playable pieces of content. And that's just delivering, I think, bad information to consumers. It's like you, the consumer, can do what I'm doing. We can all watch gameplay and give our thoughts on it. But for us as, I put this in quotes, professionals who should be doing a expert job on something, it takes a craftsman to put their hands on the controller and dissect the experience quickly. And that's what's missing too. So you only see what on. they want you to see. Yeah. In a preview, you, can, you know, there might be things that slip through the cracks that like they weren't aware of or whatever. Yeah, we could talk about this for the whole show. It's we just really like juicy. It's like the juiciest topic I think overall in the in the games and media industry, which you and I both are. I'd say under the umbrella. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's so move let's on move to on. Our, our yeah, exactly. Let's move on to our our next quick bit of news here. Fallout Three got an update this week. Pardon me. 
so Fallout 3 got an update on Steam. It was 5.4 megabytes. It's kind of hilarious, right? You're like, oh, what's the big deal? It's actually a little bit more significant than you may realize. So what happened was there's this thing called Games for Windows Live that's been around for a long while, and it made Fallout 3 without mods, mind you, a little asterisk there, unplayable because you could not get into Games for Windows Live because the service has been closed down since July 2014. Beyond that, Fallout 3 is just unstable on PC. It, it, it needs like multi-core fixes, all this stuff, which GOG's incorporated, I think, a couple of mods, like the 4-gigabyte enabler. Um, they got rid of games for Windows Live, but now Steam is finally caught up. So there was an update posted on Steam, which made Fallout 3 playable over there, and it was actually really nice to see. So now you can fire this game up, play it on your Steam profile, but what it's led to is this slippery slope of, well, are we going to add achievements now, Bethesda? Are we going to add the multi-core fix now, Bethesda? Are you going to remaster it now, Bethesda? You know, there's a there's a very interesting switch up here. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on it real quick on what you think a update for Fallout 3 in 2021 means. Is it just Bethesda and really Steam saying like, okay, let's make our version of Fallout work properly compared to GOG? Um, or is this something that uh, maybe indicates work on the license, work on the IP upcoming, like uh, a re-release of some degree. I don't know. I think it's, um. there's a lot of ways you could look at it. I think it could be sort of uh, some hindsight for damage control. Like, I don't know if it would be possible if someone was like, I bought this game on Steam and it doesn't work and I can't use it because of Windows Live and it's just in a very buggy, unplayable state. Like, do you think Bethesda doesn't want that on their rep? Maybe they don't want any legal troubles with that. That's a way you could look at it, perhaps. Mm. Um, maybe maybe they just, like, decided to do it. Maybe, like, Steam reached out to them and was like, hey, you should probably fix this. Uh, I don't really know. There's, I, w I wish there was, like, more information about this other than them just, like, dropping it. Because yeah. it would be... I, it's such an interesting thing to happen in 2021 out of what seems like thin air. It really um, is. That's the thing is, yeah. is I, I was looking and this service was defunct in 2014 of July. And you think, okay, like maybe they were like knee deep in fallout four at that time. They were going to do it what they do it after. Like, did they just have a spare moment? Like, I'm not trying to overanalyze it or overthink it, but it's just, again, no, it, fallout, it deserves attention. fallout three has been out since 2008. It's been consistently bad on PC for a while now, especially when we moved into the phase of having quad core, eight cores like it's really moved into an area where fallout 3 again on ps3 pc even with some mods can be borderline unplayable at times and this update funny enough has now even broken modding so what happened was there's this thing called fallout script extender pretty much necessary for any mod that matters in the fallout community um, and now that we're at version 1.7.0.4 in fallout 3 the script extender is no longer compatible and they need to update that as well. And what's kind of crazy about it is they said they're going to work on it, but they have no timetable for it. And what's even crazier is a lot of the modders for Fallout 3, of course, it's been how many years they've moved on either, either to jobs or they've moved on to Fallout New Vegas or they've moved on to Skyrim or Fallout 4. I mean, like a lot of them have just completely moved on. So it's going to be really interesting to see when Fallout 3 gets back on its feet from a modding standpoint. But beyond that, I just I feel like the timing of this is perplexing 
it it doesn't really it could just indicate nothing at the end of the day and i could be overthinking it but i don't understand why they do this now unless something wasn't going to happen or something was going to happen uh, this doesn't mean it's a remaster or a remake by any stretch but you're you're getting it into a playable state for some reason and this could just be microsoft by the way microsoft owns them oh, now that's a good point they yeah could, they could just be saying hey don't clean our trash up <laughs> get this yeah, crap out of here I, that might be that i think i feel like that's like the what's the term like occam's razor like the simplest answer is like the mm -hmm. most or i don't know if that's what the term yeah, is no, whatever is, yeah simplest I, answer I, is the one right in front of you yeah and i feel like that could very well be it like maybe it was on their docket it was on the list mm -hmm. and it felt it, a bunch of stuff just piled on top of it and they go like, oh, yeah we were supposed to do this back in 2014 when when uh, Windows Live just stopped years fucking later. working. Yeah. So I feel like that's what it probably is, but it would be nice if, you know, it was indicating something else. Mm. Like, a fall, dude, Fallout 3 remake, please. Yeah. Even a remaster. Yeah. I would love it. Yeah. We all would love it. But I think what I would be interested in with that is seeing the modding scene come to Fallout 3 with a remake or a remaster. Mm -hmm. Because in your video, when you talked about this, New Vegas has a huge modding. Actually, is it as it's it's pretty big, but it's, Skyrim's it's modding definitely scene, the biggest modding scene I think next to Fallout Four, and Skyrim, right? Skyrim's, yeah, Skyrim's the biggest, massive. for sure. Yeah, 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 it's still big. So like, but Fallout Three is kind of like the the little brother or mm -hmm. the, the middle child that, that doesn't really get that love. Um, so maybe you know if we do end up getting a remake, this is kind of derailing a little bit. We'll see the modding scene step into Fallout Three. I think that would be really interesting. I hope that they go back and they fix the script extender, but maybe like if if this was a, a command from uh, Big Daddy <laughs> Phil Spencer, like maybe they they're not interested in going back and uh, touching up the the script extender. Maybe maybe it's too much work right. for them. Well, I mean, what does that do for them? Really, makes they they're not obligated to make sure mods work, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I came so, with this theory of maybe they're this is galaxy brain theory, but. With Fallout 76 getting the pit soon, I'm like, maybe they think that people are going to retroactively go back to Fallout 3 and they want to have like a working PC version. I forgot that's getting the pit. But how many people who are still playing 76 like don't already own Fallout 3? I Like, is that really going to make you that much money? You can't... Maybe they're getting it working because of the Amazon show and we saw what happened with The Witcher. Like, that was my other thing is maybe they're expecting a bump from somewhere, but... That's what I'm saying. Like, some sort of preemptive, like damage control like they're hoping like okay we, let's fix this so nothing bad happens in the future yeah yeah which suppose makes sense too right definitely there's no way to, to really look extent. at it un until we see what what they're doing with our wonderful fallout ip because right now it's we've got 76 expansion which most of the player base probably won't touch mm -hmm. uh, myself included you will because you're going to make content on it but of course but it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> I, th I think it's a blessing because you get to play things that you know i've someone like myself wouldn't even try just because of how much i don't like 76. right like you get to get that experience and you're supposed to be objective about it you get that objectiveness um and then you have the amazon show then what else what else is going on for fallout nothing, nothing right yeah nothing exactly give us some remakes remakes are in season right now all right people eat that shit up people love it mm -hmm. <laughs> or even just remaster it i don't care just give it how many times have they remastered Skyrim? Too many times. <laughs> yeah, they're adding fishing to it. Can we add? Yeah, I know. Something right? to Fallout Three. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm it's, it's it. about it's about time. It's about time. And 
I'm thinking next year with the ten or what would what year what anniversary would be fifteen year anniversary I want to say um or is that twenty twenty three I don't know my I'm not mathing properly right now but point being is I think it's just getting to be that time where Fallout three and New Vegas have to return in a more exciting capacity um, and I understand that's not Bethesda's foray but you're under Xbox now and if Xbox is remastering Wasteland they're remastering Age of Empires. They, they got to be keeping their eye on Fallout and saying like, okay, what can we do with this? So we'll, of course, see in due time. But for now, we patiently await any updates. And you can go get a 5.4 megabyte update on Fallout 3 if you wish. But just remember that it'll break your mods. With that, let's dive into our next bit of news here. Pokemon, Pokemon. Legends Arceus. Or is it Arceus? I think it's Arceus, right? I think you can pronounce it either way, but I believe in the anime and someone's knocking on my door. That's great. Um, <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think it's Arceus. Okay. Well, yeah. regardless of that, Pokemon legends was believed to be an open world game for some time, but now I'm looking at this article here from Nintendo life. It appears there's been a clarification. So, the Pokemon company has shared a statement in response to a story on Kotaku, which seems to clarify how it will be more like the series like Monster Hunter with segmented areas. While it didn't specifically reference that game, it explains how you as the trainer will set out from the village to various open areas of the Hisui region to complete tasks. Here's the statement, quote, In Pokemon, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Jubilife Village will serve as the base for surveying missions. After receiving an assignment or a request and preparing for their next excursion, players will set out from the village to study one of the various open areas of the Hisui region. After they finish their survey work, players will need to return once more to prepare for their next task. We look forward to sharing more information about exploring the Hisui region soon. End quote. So it doesn't sound quite open world, but they said various open areas. And they would specify if it were open world, because let's be honest, that's a buzzword that would sell them a lot of extra copies off mm -hmm. the rip. What do you think of this Monster Hunter style multi-open area setup for Pokemon Legends, which a lot of people from face value and the way it was also showcased kind of reminded us of Breath of the Wild, if anything, like this mm -hmm. big, substantial open world evolution. Um, you know, at first I was kind of disappointed to hear that, but the more I thought about it, the more I'm interested because one, I don't really trust Game Freak to make um, a, an, an open world that's worth exploring. Um, at least right off the bat, right? They, they're they're yeah, very right iterative, away. so that's a good point. Yeah, it, I don't think they would be able to really do it and make it super interesting unless they borrowed heavily from other open-world games um, in Nintendo or whatever, mm. like uh, Genshin Impact borrowed from Breath of the Wild, and they, their open-world exploration is phenomenal. I'd argue it's better than Breath of the Wild, mm. but I don't trust Game Freak to do that. Um, so the fact that if, if they're, you know, they're not going fully open-world, right, I think that it's sort of like the Avowed thing. I think it it's different and it gives them more wiggle room to work on their other systems and make sure they're solid and 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 golden. Um, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, yeah, this this being the hub town, this little village makes a lot of sense, and I support it because the last thing I I would pref much prefer this, like hub monster hunter going on these missions mm -hmm. to. Um, a a open world full of nothing, 
a barren yeah. open world. That's kind of what they did it, with the the wild region in um, it Sword was and Shield. Horrible. Yeah, it, it was, was just open and nothing. This no reason for them to have it there. Uh, Breath of the Wild is an open world game that some people would argue has a lot of nothing. But I think uh, specifically specifically for that game, I think it, it works. If if they go into Breath of the Wild two and and um, do the same thing, I won't be a fan of that. Mm-hmm. But with Breath of the Wild one, I think it works, and I don't want to see Game Freak do that because they're not their world. The worlds are interesting when the way they craft them now. So I think they should stick to that while also evolving the formula in a different direction. People always talk about the open world Pokemon game, the the big one. You know, mm-hmm. you, you go around collecting uh, Pokemon, throwing balls at Pokemon or whatever, <laughs> throwing balls it, at them. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like you're you're uh, like in more of an action way, and this is an interesting development. I wasn't expecting, but I just like with Avowed, I support it. Although I think I more so am almost relieved in a way to hear it. I'm feeling a little bit of relief here, Matt, and I think it's because you and I, we both hated Sword and Shield. Yes, we both and we both loved Sun and Moon. Coming off of Sun and Moon, I know you didn't play Ultra, but it's also phenomenal. Right. Coming off of that. that. Oh, dude, it's a great. If you're like, if you're in the mood for like a Pokemon game, that's. I would have probably this year, but with the brilliant diamond and shining pearl, I was like, I'll just wait for those. Yeah, that's going to be, that'll be a lot of fun. But going from that to Sword and Shield was one of the biggest disappointments I've had in gaming. And that sounds weird, but it's because it's the first debut for Pokemon on the Nintendo Switch Mm. and and they just dropped Dropped the ball ball. so hard. But but they don't really care because they got their money, they got their sales, matter them. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm supportive of this. I think that they have better chances of, of getting something right going this way than in an open world because I don't right. trust Game Freak at all. With how small they are. Yeah, they're a very small company. <laughs> it, it, is, it would not. It, I, I had no, no hope for Arceus seeing it. Like, I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is exciting, but I'm not holding my breath. It's not worth it to get myself excited for something that I'm most likely going to see, like, flop. So the fact that this is what the direction they're going in with it, I think is a good sign. I think they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, and they're playing to them, which I support. Definitely. I um when it comes to this news, I was like you. I first heard it and went, Ah, I don't know how Mm -hmm. I feel about this. But then I remembered this is coming out on the original Switch hardware. And I've been complaining, for example, I want to play Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I love Warriors games, but I refuse to play it with that frame rate. And I was thinking maybe with hub areas on a technical level, this is probably better. This is probably a way better call for the frame rate. Like it can actually run now. So if that's what they got to do, do it. I wonder if this is like a shift. Like, do you think they were making open world before? And it's maybe possible. they recognize like this. This just isn't going to be good. <laughs> I was rereading the quote while you were talking, and they say like Jubilee Village will serve as the base for surveying missions. And I was thinking to myself like, what if each village in these hubs had different types of missions that you'd go and do? Like they're talking surveying, like studying Pokemon. What if there's capturing missions and mm-hmm. hunting missions or battle missions? I mean, they could do a lot with this and kind of define the world throughout multiple regions which when you think about it is what pokemon's always been about when you even look yeah. at the basic line maps of uh pokemon blue it, it was always like that where multiple regions were interconnected and they were all different hubs doing different things so this seems like a general evolution of that design philosophy which makes a lot of sense to me but not only that it sounds really cool that 
you can maybe get different types of missions and they're based off different types of regions. Um, and I love the idea of them saying, preparing for the next excursion. If this is like Monster Hunter where you got to get like food and eat and treat yourself, dress properly for the region you're going to, that adds a whole new layer to Pokemon that we really haven't seen and that I yeah. love. It's beyond using like, I don't know if it was TM or HM, but like cut, fly, dude, like surf. Okay, we've seen this for 20 years now. Stuff like wear this, wear these clothes, eat this before you go. This will boost this Pokemon. If they evolve those mechanics and add some new stuff in, to me, this sounds like good news as I digested it over time. Yeah, I agree. And like even talking about it now on the podcast, I feel more and more like relieved that mm -hmm. this is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and I feel like people are like, oh, we're not going to be able to explore the open world with our Pokemon. I, you know, it could be like, the hub serves as an area where you can go off to different, different smaller open open world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. say something like what Kotor two. Like, you have different worlds. I Kotor two is like or Kotor and Kotor two. They're open world, but it's not like you just walk from one place to the next. Like in Breath of the Wild, like in Fallout, like in Skyrim. Yeah, these those are like I'd say like a true open world game. Maybe um, Arceus is going to be like a smaller open world where you have different. I guess like a, the word would be like cells, like different regions you explore. Right. Um, like you said, and then if they bring in the gear thing, like, oh, you got to wear warmer clothes for this climate, just like Breath of the Wild. I think mm -hmm. that would be awesome. And it would really, really elevate the formula. Agreed. Absolutely. And, agree. and like that formula needs elevation. I think personally, the biggest part that needs to be changed is the combat because the Pokemon combat is so monotonous, mm -hmm. especially, especially if you're layer. bigger on, if you're bigger on JRPGs, and you, like, if you only play Pokemon, then maybe you don't really recognize it. But if you go play something like Final Fantasy, like Persona, uh, for me, it would be, like, something like Octopath. You can see how combat systems are just, like, so much more evolved. It's and just too much and back and forth. Them. Yeah, not enough mm -hmm. extra things you can do during a turn to, to be a mm -hmm. game changer. It's just not po enough there. Pokemon, you select your move, and then you see it attack. You get attacked, and that's it. And that's so fine like an for, item. like, the, the remakes, like, they're doing with Brilliant Diamond and Shining yeah. Pearl. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, it's the old version. It's the old Pokemon. But, like, as we move into the new era, I hope, I'm with you. I, I hope they evolve the, the turn-based combat for sure. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to see it much in this game. But if they bring in these other changes we're talking about and make it, uh, make the presentation unique enough to where it feels fresh, I respect it. Mm -hmm. Sorted Shield was just more of the same except it was less of the same if that makes sense like yep. more of what we know with pokemon but then everything that's good is watered down mm -hmm. like there's like no story i'm not even joking when i say that like the story picks up at the end and it's barely there yep. um and then i'd say the one good thing are like the characters have cool designs but even even that isn't enough because they're not super interesting characters there's like a few uh, the music was really forgettable. I can remember I the like, music was so bad compared to the yeah, series. Yeah, oh, that one God. track where both we both uh, you know. Which oh, one like the the yeah, it's like the Wharf Town or whatever. And, and I remember yeah. looking at the comments. People were like, "This is such a banger. This slaps." I'm like, "You guys have fucking ears." Like, no, this is not an opinion. This is actually objectively horrible music. It's like someone hitting a trash can while someone's like <laughs> screaming in the corner. It's like, what is this? You'll see that for any video game soundtrack you go on YouTube, because if you're looking it up, it usually means you want to listen to it. So people <laughs> That's in the true, comments, yeah. You got people like, like us who are like, how shitty is this? <laughs> I listen to a lot of video game music, so every time I look it up, I always read the comments, and all, there's always like these 
this is so nostalgic. It really adds to the atmosphere of this game. Like people really, really, really praising the soundtrack. You see it for like every game with a soundtrack on YouTube. So like you're not gonna see those people that are like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Just looking up to hate on it. I guess that's one good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, no, it was really, really bad with the music. And there's like a few tracks that I liked. Like I really loved the um the gym battle it's not a gym what is it the um stadium you know what i'm talking about right like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the the stadium battles where they make them like really giant yeah and which is another dumb feature (laughs) (laughs) i I hate gigantamax yeah gigantamax well here's the gigantamax could have been cool like they did mega evolutions which i thought added something but like gigantamax is like it's the same turn-based battle except you're fat as fuck. Like, nice. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it's not. It, it. It's just. It's very surface level changes that have plagued that series. I think. Yeah, they really need to. It's. It's. Um. What's. What's the word for something? It's a. It's a not a buzzword. Um. Something that like bring really like attracts people. Yeah, buzzword. Not... That that would probably be it. Like. It it's like a oh, I get, the word is like escaping right now. It's running away from me. But it's the um something that they add to a game to like look at this. But it's really not all that. Like smoke maybe, and mirrors. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, smoke and mirrors. So I uh long story short, this is exciting. Arceus, mm-hmm. I have more hope for it, and I want to see more. Show us some more gameplay because what we saw last time was awesome. Absolutely. Time will tell. Only a couple months ago. Last bit of news. And then we will join up with the patrons and any write-ins questions. Some tapping questions. Too. Yeah, we got we do we have a lot ready for us? Or? Yeah, we got we got four people in queue, and I, I think everybody gets a chance to talk. Love to hear it. Beautiful. All right. Well, our last bit of news is a short one, so that's good news for everyone who's waiting in the tapping queue. Uh Dragon Age. Uh it's a next gen only game. It's gonna be on Series X, PlayStation 5. Uh EA's leaving it behind. This report comes from Jeff grub of venture beat and he just says the reason for that is uh, ea is slowly transitioning over as are many companies dragon age 4 will be one of the games made with next gen in mind this is so relieving to hear mm-hmm. it shows to yeah. me it's it gives me that same feeling that starfield's giving me it's like okay you understand your back is against the wall removing yeah. the multiplayer Going next gen only, you understand you need to at least try to get this one right. Yeah. I'm very, very relieved to hear this. Obviously, we can't go into what's the game gonna be like now. We 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 had leaks on that already with you know the the high style gameplay that was originally pitched and they were looking to make a tighter game, then they went more live service. Now they're going back to single player. I think it's gonna be a messy game. I think it's gonna be very apparent, but at its core, it's looking more and more like they're they're really doubling down. And I, I can't say what because it would give away my source, but I've heard some encouraging things about Dragon Age 4 on a level of Bioware's attitude. I, once again, cannot specify what, but I just want to assure the audience. There has been a change in culture and mindset within the company on how they look at how they make their games. We'll see if that's applied and it makes the games better, but I have definitely heard more encouraging things coming out of the studio now than I did a couple of years ago. So just know, hopefully there's a little bit of positive turnover there. Yes. It's optimistic. Yes. They have betrayed even my trust to the extent where I'm like, fuck you guys. But still, this is again, a very positive thing to hear as someone who's heard pretty negative shit come out of them for a while now. 
Uh, so I just want to leave that out there. But Paul, obviously very quick topic here. Anything you want to add on for Dragon H4 being next-gen only that comes to mind? Um, I'm not big. I'm honestly not a big Dragon Age fan, as in I've really never played them. Mm -hmm. But after playing uh, Mass Effect, I do want to. With that being said, anything being next-gen only is a plus for me. And sometimes I feel really guilty saying that because it's hard to get next-gen consoles now. Sure. And like, it's like a privileged position to, to own not just one, but two of them. But it's got to happen. I don't want to see these games coming out on last-gen hardware. I want mm -hmm. them to take advantage of everything that these consoles have to offer. And uh, I think you know we're going to start seeing that more and more. I think by 2023, 2024, this, this microchip shortage will be behind us. And... Yeah. We will see almost, I don't want to say all games, but a lot of games will be releasing next-gen only, and I'm in full support of it. I remember when yeah. games, you had the transitionary period between Xbox 360 and PS3 and the one in the PS4, and those games felt the exact same. Like mm -hmm. One I remember, Call of Duty Ghosts, that was on both consoles. Yeah, I remember that. Destiny yeah. was on both consoles. And it's like, it's... These games lasted, or at least Destiny lasted a while into Xbox One's lifespan. Not not a long, long time, but I'd say at least halfway before they did Destiny 2. Um, and I, it just sucks seeing games being held back by uh, older hardware. And I think, and this might be like another privileged thing to say, but I feel like it keeps people on these older consoles because some people are like stingy. They're like, why would I buy a new one? I don't have to. Right. Um, right. but I think after like what three or four years, you'd be able to save up enough money to buy your console, the yeah, newer one, in a lot of cases, yeah. For I'd say for a, a good majority of people, um, so pushing like, yeah, these games are only going to be on next gen, you're gonna have to get next gen to get them. Once we get past this like shortage and, and all the scalping and all that horrible shit that's going on, um, I think people will see, I, I think most people do see it as a good thing, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd say. Yeah. But the people I don't think there's any arguing it's going to be bad for the game at all. Yeah, no. I, it's not going to be bad for not. the game. It's people who are holding on to their their Xbox ones and their um <laughs> their their PS4s are are kind of not going to be happy. But yeah, but the only thing I'm hoping for is with the hinterlands being kind of this like you know, masturbatory like look how beautiful yeah. this game is. Don't you love the Frostbite engine? It's like no, I just hope they don't get too obsessed with their own visuals uh, on next-gen consoles. They tried mm -hmm. the same shit with Andromeda, and I was like, please stop your fascination with your own graphics because no one... When you look at the success of Mass Effect and Dragon Age, there is not a single fucking screen cap that's people ooing and eyeing over your locales. It's literally people laughing that yeah. Commander Shepard's head twisted in reverse mid-conversation. <laughs> like People like your games for a particular reason. It's because of their amazing choice and consequence they're great characters and there's a charm to that jank it just comes with the package and i i understand it's a pride to it but i'm just hoping that they move on from frostbite after this game because we already know it's going to be using frostbite that's been confirmed through uh through either jason schreier or jeff grubb and once they move on from that i'm hoping those days of, of being obsessed with that is behind them but yeah, Paul, I'm seeing the chat light up a little bit. A lot of people want you to play Dragon Age, and I do. I can yeah. say that you know, as as a fan of the waifus, I mean, there are quite a few in in Dude, Dragon Age that that, that that people obsess over. Well, that's uh, that's all the more reason to play it. Yeah. Uh, well, if, if I was to play Dragon Age, what would be the first one I should jump in on? 
like origins. do you think that would hook me or origins well, uh, origins is like the traditional bioware experience it's funny because i was talking to uh brett i keep bringing him up this show and i was talking to brett and he was saying how he played dragon age for the first time based off my videos and he liked two more than origins uh, and two's not that bad but if you compare and contrast the two i i think origins is vastly better but it was interesting it was one of the first times i've heard that and i think two has a lot of charm uh it depends if you're looking for more turn-based bioware style gameplay from like uh, evolution of kotor's combat would probably be the best way to describe it mm -hmm. or if you're looking for more hack and slash ability based combat which I'll, is I'll put it this way i'm looking for something that's more like mass effect 2 and not as much like mass effect 3 i that's tough because i don't know if, that's what's interesting about dragon age being so successful is it's such a fucking weird series like you have a hardcore turn-based heavy choice and consequence game with a really good story then you've got like I... this cool almost spin-off action game and then Inquisition's like this very stitched together weird project where Mass Effect's like continuous. Like it's evolving on things that you already knew. It, it'll leave behind the Mako, but that's really about it. Uh, and it, it always fascinates me that Dragon Age is as popular as it is because they really were never consistent with that series in terms of reviews or anything. But I feel like Origins would be the one that you want to play first because the characters are better there. The gameplay, I think, is better there. Um, even though you've said you've had, I was thinking just now, cause you were like, Oh, I'm having JRPG fatigue. I think you might be able to move past that by playing a really good Western RPG. And I know that sounds yeah. weird to say, but they're just designed well, so differently. That's, that's going to be lost Odyssey. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Lost Odyssey is a JRPG as well. So you might want to hold off oh, on that. I've wanted you to play that I, for a while. It looks kind of Western I, in a lot of ways. For some reason. I, yeah. For some reason, I, I was thinking like it's on Xbox. So it's Western. Yeah, Actually, I don't now I think you. about it, it's made by, it's made by Square Enix. Uh, not Square Enix, but uh, Final Fantasy devs, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. You okay. might want to avoid yeah. that for a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't want to disappoint you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I've I've hyped it up for you because I'm like, yo, you like Final Fantasy. I think you're going to like this. Um, I know I will, too. Just seeing the gameplay and the music. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Look, if you if you play Origins, I'd probably play alongside you because I, I love that game. It's so good. Um, someone clarified in the chat. I should make it clear, too. It's not really turn-based. It's like real-time strategy. It's more like... Um, or it's real time turn based is how I define it. So it's like, like Kotor, Kotor, but it's 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 evolved. It's it's like a hybrid. Uh, okay. It's really good though. I think you'd like it. You've you edited the video I did for Origin, so you saw how it plays. The story and the choices, by the way, because you're building an army. So like each main arc, you're adding a piece to your army, and you effectively have two choices. Mm -hmm. And you can make like one wild choice. That's like, do you add werewolves to your army or do you add elves to your army? It's fucking cool. Like there's. There's really cool choices you can make throughout that that lead to an all-out war. So I think I think you dig. Oh, it. see that yeah, that sounds like it. Cause I like uh, Mass Effect Two. One of the things I really liked was the suicide mission. Right. And where like I know it's that one's more so. I don't want to say linear because it's not, but for the most part, you there's like right decisions you have to make. Not so much like decisions you have to make that would change the ending. Mm -hmm. Actually. Well, sort of. I mean, if you want to have everybody survive, you have to make the right decisions. Right. But uh, if there's like something culminating towards the end where like my decisions are going to affect this big battle, that sounds enticing. Yes, they definitely do. So look into it. It's, it's on the list. My I've, my very long list of games I have to play. Excellent. <laughs> We'd love to hear it. All right. We've got a ton of tap-ins, a ton of, tap of write-ins. We'll, we'll try to mix them both together. 
So let's get right into it. Feel free to drag, drag whoever in that you would like. I'm going to bring Spooky Goose in because I'm in a spooky mood because okay. it's Halloween. Not Halloween, but it's October. Sounds <laughs> good to me. Spooky Goose. What's up, Spooky Hello. Goose? Spooky mood. Oh. It's Halloween. <laughs> not Halloween. Oh. Howdy. <laughs> hey. Hello. How's it going? Hey. Not bad. How you guys doing? We're doing well. Doing Thank great. you so much for, for calling in, for, for waiting for us as we, as we got to the Patreon questions. Uh, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I wanted to actually ask you guys, because I, uh, I saw you got a Switch OLED this week, Maddie. I did. Uh, have you played any Metroid yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I played I a get... couple of hours last night, actually. Okay, cool. I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it, only because, so, I'm playing through Metroid right now, mm-hmm. um, which I've only played one other Metroid, which was the one on the 3DS, the uh, Samus Returns, I believe. Hey, you and I both, okay, we're on the same page. But at the same time, I'm playing the Castlevania Advance Collection. Oh. And I'm playing Aria of Sorrow for the first time. And I feel like even though Aria of Sorrow is so much older, it is such a vastly better really? castle, like Metroidvania. Interesting. So, so what's, me, the, the only... uh, what's the, real quick, just what's the, the question oh, exactly sorry. so I properly understand it? Oh no! I just wanted to get your opinion, like, uh, like your thoughts, maybe on Metroid. Maybe if it, uh, hmm, I'm trying to think of a good way to word it. Sorry. No, no, you're, um, you're totally fine. Your thoughts on it, right? Basically, is yeah, question. like thoughts on it compared to like other Metroidvanias, because okay. I'm seeing as like I'm playing older ones that are pretty well renowned. This one's mm-hmm. not as exciting as I initially thought. If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally get that, Paul. You were about to say something, so you go first. Um, well. My question is, have you played Hollow Knight? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. okay, yeah. So that's the only Metroidvania game I'd say that I have a lot of uh, knowledge about that I, I fucking love Hollow Knight. So I haven't mm-hmm. touched Dread yet, but I want to. But how would you say, uh, Matt, you can you can go after this, but how would you say like it compares to Hollow Knight? Like, Am I going to be disappointed with the high standard of Hollow Knight going into Metroid Ooh. Dread? That's hard because Hollow Knight is it's so yeah. good, dude. Hollow Knight's like a gold standard. Tell, tell and this like, guy to play it, please. <laughs> it's not like I'm resisting Wait. it. <laughs> oh, you got to play it. It's so fun. Like Matt, it's so good. Um, for me, when it comes to Metroidvanias, uh, well, I should share my thoughts on Dread first. I think Dread yeah. is is pretty good so far. Um, <laughs> although I. I'm sort of in the middle on Emmys because they add a lot of tension to the exploration, which I've never experienced in Metroidvanias, which I think is a very interesting layer uh, to mm-hmm. add on top of everything. But what happens is you have a lot of these like frustrating deaths because yes. you're getting caught with your pants down pretty often. And then I'm forcibly <laughs> like exploring yeah. the, pl- the, the the planet as in a pace I don't want to. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. part of it. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. But I think there's just been too many times where I thought I did the right thing to avoid the Emmy, and I didn't. My frustration started to loosen up as I got more unlocks, so I got the Morph Ball, I got the Phantom Cloak, and and when you got those two combined, then it started to feel like, okay, there's a sense of openness now. I don't feel Mm -hmm. as stranded when I get caught by an Emmy where it's like, I'm dead. There's no getting away from this. I'm dead. Um, So I like that mechanic a little bit. I go back and forth on it. I'll see by the end of the game if I actually do like it. But right now, uh, I'm I'm kind of neutral on it in, in a manner of speaking when I when I really look at it. 
as for the actual exploration and progression, once you get that morph ball, the game is so good. I got it last night. Yeah. Like I was hooked. I, I, that's when it, it really got me. I went, yes, I can go get those upgrades. Like I started exploring the map, getting all the items, getting the missile tanks and energy tanks. Um, for me, I don't really have a deep history with Metroidvania titles. So, you know, I, I think of, I played a little bit of, sh uh, of, of hollow Knight. Um, I liked Wait, that you game. Played it and you put it down. I played an hour of it and I put it <laughs> oh, down. No. Oh no. <laughs> I'm trying Dude. to think of other Metroidvania games. I played bloodstained. That was pretty yeah. good. I liked that one. Um, so really I used to not like this genre, but over time, I ended up really falling in love with it. I think it's because the exploration can be really good if done right. So far, Metroidvania to me seems like it has the potential to be a cut above the rest. Because I, while I have my frustrations with the ME system, I feel like long term that separates it from the pack enough where it's worked out more often than it's worked against me. And there, mm -hmm. it's a separating quality that, to, to me at least, I feel um, would make me like it more than other metroidvania games otherwise it explores pretty well i just want to get your thoughts real quick um why do you feel you're enjoying castlevania aria of Sh aria i must said aria of shower aria of sorrow more than uh dread so the big thing for me and i know a lot of people have griped about it but it's the almost like untelegraphed spots mm. for like exploration because i know there was so i actually Long story short, when I switched over to my Switch OLED, I had to completely restart Metroid Dread over. And I replayed pretty much all the way up through the second boss last night. Right where you're pretty sure where you get the more fall. Right. And um, there was just one spot where I completely forgot what to do. And it was one of those untelegraphed, like, you have to shoot a wall. I don't like that mm. about the game at all. And I, I was so... Like, I was so frustrated because I was like, man, how am I playing a GBA game that tells me perfectly, like, without telling me where to go and what to do? And I've not come up to one point where I've been frustrated, confused, lost, mm -hmm. like anything. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, this modern game that's getting nines, tens, like, really high review scores is, like, couldn't even do something so basic. Yes, I agree. I and, agree. Yeah, it's weird because it's designed to be like a callback to the past, but I, I don't think mm -hmm. these developers get it at times that it's like you can call back to the past without just being weird and frustrating. So exactly. You mentioned uh, I was playing Dread last night and I was roaming on the first area like of Artari, I think it's called that you're yeah. that you're in. And then you go to the we'll call it just the heated area because I can't remember what it's called. Yep. And when I first got there, I'm like, OK, I go through these two doors. And I can't seem to uh, find anywhere to go because I'm being burned alive nope. if I do. And then I shoot a random wall out of frustration and I see a hole pop in it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? That's where I'm supposed to go? And what annoyed me is good Metroidvanias have a little like hollow section on the map to be like, there's something here, mm. but it's not exactly a mm. marked location. Hollow Knight does that. Yeah. And it's so important mm. because it's like, okay, I get you wanted to have your secrets. Have your secrets like that. But if it's borrowing my main story progression, you should not have that. Yeah. So my main story was behind a fucking wall that especially like my girlfriend was looking at the game and I was thinking to myself, like she's getting back into it. Like she would have been stuck there for a while. There's no way she would have just shot a random yeah. wall. There's no way. And I know kids getting this game, even though it's not, I don't think it's really mm -hmm. for kids, but like even young adults, like it's just, it's, it's confusing at times. That's my main gripe beyond the Emmys. So we'll see how it ages, but 
uh, definitely an interesting chat to have. And I'll be talking about Dread more next week if you're going to be tuning in. Because uh, I'm sure, For sure, given the length of the game, I'll probably have it done by mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Well, I, I really do look forward to hear about it because it, it's one of those games I've been really enjoying. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like they're just those little... Those in the the ME section, I just got to, I just finally got through the yellow ME section. Right. And that was probably one of the most frustrating, like, just parts of the game. Is that the fast one? Yeah, the one that just sprints after Mm. you and you literally cannot run from it. It's funny you say that. That was my favorite one because I loved how... For me, it actually gave me a reason to run it full speed away. Mm-hmm. Where the others, I was being okay. a little cute about it. I was like grabbing the ceiling, holding up, and like right. pressing the cloak. And he come and grab me anyway. I'm like, "Fuck you! You heard me." <laughs> Where uh, in, in this one, I'm like, "All right, he's after me. Like, I gotta go." Right. So I kind of dug that one, but I understand why you why you wouldn't like that. It makes complete sense. I think what's key about the Emmys is different ones work with different play styles. Mm-hmm. And and for me, the first two cl- like clicked with my approach because I didn't have enough tools to mm-hmm. really handle them properly. Where once I had yeah. all the tools, the the speedy one was actually fun. But I, I totally get where you're coming from. Well, and the one other thing, and I'll, I'll let you guys go after this. Sure. Um, but uh, the one thing I did notice, so, you know, replaying, I replayed the entire first two ME sections. Okay. Actually replaying them the second time, I had a lot more fun with them. And I don't know if it's because I knew what was coming but I felt like I was, maybe I didn't understand the mechanics initially, but I really had a fun time, like, doing exactly what you're saying, like, you know, like, hiding against the wall or, like, trying to get away from it. So, um, yeah, you know, no, I don't know. Maybe it's... I, I hope oh, I have I, the same thing. No, I was going to say, I just I hope I have the same thing. I, I heard there's, a like, a hard mode that's unlocked once you beat the game, and it's like, maybe I'll double dip because it's a short game, right? Yeah. So it's like, maybe yeah. maybe I'll go back in there and see what that's all about. So that's good to hear, okay. though, because that, that can always be a telling sign of if it's... People never like to admit it, but sometimes when a game doesn't work, at times it can be your fault. Like you missed something, you oh, misunderstood sure. something, and so it that that's encouraging for me to hear. So yeah, I appreciate you letting us know, and, and right. thank you so much for calling yeah. in. Yeah, Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Take care. All right, see you, Spooky. Later. We got a great suggestion from Dave Portnov in chat that I think we should do is let's alternate real quick uh, between calls and and patron questions so we don't leave anyone out on this. Um, sure. Okay. So, so we'll, do you want to go in the order of we have them written? Yep. We'll just start off with Adam Thim, who writes in. Okay. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there, fellas. That's a that 70s show reference. I like that. I wanted <laughs> to know what you all thought about the war that gamers and games media seem to have when it comes to games. The last example was Cyberpunk versus The Last of Us 2. It seems people decided to rally around these games extra hard to push an agenda and just try to piss people off more than talk about the game themselves with the online discourse. I feel like this trend is getting worse and feels like it's going to one day ruin gaming for people. Thank you in advance. Do you share this mindset? Good question. Yeah, do you share this mindset? Do you think it's ruining gaming? I don't think it's... I think the one thing ruining gaming, or at least, I, you know, like the, the pocket we're in, is uh, console wars. I think that's the biggest problem. Um, this is an interesting question, though, because I think there's some... Cr- credibility to these arguments these discussions these rivalries if you will mm-hmm. and the reason i say that is because a lot of people um let's say they have limited time or limited money they're going to want to pick one or the other and i think the competitiveness between um these big titles releasing around the same time help it sort of actually cyberpunk and last of us did they didn't release around the same time did they no they didn't they no okay well, I guess in this situation, then I'm I'm a little confused by it, and I don't know why there's a 
argument or discussion about why they're having a, a war between these totally vastly different games. But what I was going on to say was, let's say you have something like Halo Infinite and Call of Duty. Um, you know, people debating on which one is better. I think that there's credence in that argument in that discussion. Mm-hmm. One, because they're similar games. But two, because a lot of people are going to be picking one or the other. Um, but as for this, yeah, I don't know. I don't see why anyone would try to say like, oh, Last of Us is better or Cyberpunk is better. Um, they're both ass in my opinion. It's <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Cyberpunk is, is good. Last of Us is uh, a special case. But um, yeah, no, that's very odd. And I, I don't think it's going to ruin gaming, but I think it can definitely make people feel a little uncomfortable with what they're playing. Yeah. Uh, especially I was rereading his write-in and it says more than talk about the game themselves with the online discourse. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know with the last of us part two, a lot of the conversations had to deal with outside of the game. Cyberpunk. I don't remember that being most of the case. I think it was pretty honed in on the game. Just a lot of that game was overhyped. So this might just be like, honestly a, a pretty rough example, but beyond that, you do see that a lot where, where people are not able to separate the art from the artist, uh, the, the game from what's going on around it. I think we're seeing that a little bit with like Hogwarts Legacy to some extent. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's honestly unfortunate because what happens is then you get people who dig their heels on both sides. You get people who are like, I'm never, for example, we'll stick with Hogwarts Legacy because I think that's a pretty sound example. You get people who are like, I'm never buying this because of whether it be the person who was directing the game or J.K. Rowling, you get people who are like, well, now I'm buying it because fuck you. Like, I'm not even going to play the game. Yeah. I'm buying it, though. Uh, and that's, that's just a, a... Yeah, right? And I'm just a spinoff... Uh, or I'm sorry, that's just a spinoff of, of politics. Like, it just... It really genuinely yeah. is. Like, there's no other way to put it. And um, it's been a lot of that lately. And it's just... it's This sports team mentality has carried into everything in entertainment. Everything. DC, right. Marvel, Xbox, PlayStation has... It's no coincidence it's gotten worse. It's it's because the political yeah. climate got worse. Like it's just they're all connected. People feel the need to pick a side. People want to pick sides. And it's yeah. easy to spout off these bullshit hot takes without much thought on Twitter because they come, they either get agreed with in mass or get dunked on as quickly as they come. And mm-hmm. then people forget about them. And and so people can kind of tuck away in their safe space. Not only that, but a lot of people think Twitter is real life. Like they just think what you your viral tweet or your like 1000 retweet tweet is hundreds of millions of people also agreeing with you. If you were to bring that to the public and it's like, probably not. And that's what a lot of folks forget. Like social media sucks. So I think part of the trend is it's a very much a gigantic hive mind. It's a huge hive mind. It's uh, people love to polarize themselves and join teams. Mm. Um, You know, especially if you're bored and you don't have anything to do, or like, I think that's sort of what happened with the political climate. Um, and also another thing is like, it's it just brings out the worst in people. Like with The Last of Us 2, mm-hmm. there's some a lot of really interesting discussions about the game. Like you remember the leak that happened. I'm not going to spoil it, even though right. I guarantee you everybody in the chat knows what happens in that game. Yeah, just to be safe. Uh, just, yeah. Um, but people had a lot of issue with that. And I think that's a fair argument. But then you look at people who are being homophobic and having an issue with like, Ellie as a character and her sexuality. And um, yeah, I think that's like where the line, like I draw the line, I go, okay, this is actually interesting discourse, gaming discussion. And then this is just politics and hive mind syndrome uh, seeping into uh, game discussion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's a problem. And actually, I'm going to go back and change my opinion. I do think it can ruin gaming for people because I have seen it, you know, make people step away, not necessarily from gaming, but from the discourse from- for sure. 
yeah, the gaming sphere talking about it. People don't want to talk about it. Um, people will say, I love The Last of Us 2, and they get dunked on. And it's, it kind of sucks, and I think it's okay for, for them to get dunked on a little bit. Like, hey, I don't agree with that opinion. But then you you get those vile takes that are probably a minority, but they're so vocal that, uh, oh, you like The Last of Us? Oh, The Last of Us has gay people in it or something or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's just a mess. Yeah, it really is. And um, it's tribalism, oh, and it's just, it's it's constant. Sorry, what were you it's like It's like another thing with The Last of Us, too. I think that's a good example. Cyberpunk, I don't really know as much, but remember when people were saying, like, Neil Druckmann acted out like sex scenes in like no, mocap. Like, like yeah. what does that have to do with the game? Like that's yeah. just like trying. That to, was legit like, slander. Yeah, that was legit. Yeah, slander. It's, and they, like you say, it's just like the political climate. Like that, where these politicians try to slander each other. Like we're yeah. like Stretch we're at the, uh, the presidential debate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's it's just so not. It's, it's it, there used to be a discourse there, and I think social media is sort of dr- it's it's watered that down. Where mm-hmm. instead of a full conversation, we now have to condense our thoughts Dude. into 180 characters, which you just can't ever get the full picture on. So it's like people are tweeting less, talking less, and just going back to it's, their own groups because it's like, well, I don't want to really deal with the bullshit and try to explain myself constantly. And it's also something to note that recently Facebook went down. And there was a big like report slash expose on Facebook about how these social media companies thrive on discourse, but like negative discourse, yeah. how Facebook thrives on um, and it, it grows and earns revenue over people who are spreading misinformation on the platform and how they play into that. Um, and it's social media is a plague. It's yeah. dangerous. Like it, it's people get addicted to it and they stop enjoying their hobbies. Mm-hmm. Uh, moral of the story, step away from Twitter step away from social media and and just go enjoy what you enjoy yeah. stop listening to what people say i agree except us listen to us <laughs> yeah let's do yeah, another no, we're, we're, we're built different just you always tap in here That's and good. we have a uh forged I mean, horizons who comes in pretty often yeah. welcome natural welcome oh. or, or not natural forge natural welcome. forge forge horizons yeah Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? We're doing well. We're doing great. I'm not gonna not gonna break your stream this time. Thank so. you. We appreciate <laughs> that appreciate so it, yeah. much. <laughs> no, nothing yeah. wrong with experimenting. Nothing wrong with seeing what works. That's okay. Now we know. No. <laughs> yep. Not doing that again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're good, man. Um, Don't worry. What's your question? So, I bring one statement that may turn into the question. Mm. Okay. Um, and then another one, if this goes on too long, I'll just push that back to next week. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, so y'all have played like Shin Megami Tensei and Persona, right? Yeah. Y'all are pretty big fans of that. Yes. Persona more so for me, but I mean, Matt yeah. has played Shin Megami. I played SMT4 Apocalypse for, uh, oh, Natural players. Calamity. <laughs> oh, imagine is Natural's mic working? Yeah. Is it? No. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we'll it bring, ends up we'll working. Bring, we'll bring him okay. back in after. Anyway. I think it's mostly like mobile stuff hasn't been working from what I've seen. Mm, yeah, Discord itself hasn't really I'll, been working much. I'll talk to Ben. Ben Ben's been working on the, the tech yeah. stuff for us. But uh, people technically shouldn't be able to join anyway. Like yeah. if they like. That's a good point. But <laughs> yeah, do continue. All right. So y'all like those games. So mm-hmm. why why do you play Pokemon? It's just <laughs> better Pokemon. <laughs> Nostalgia. I mean, that's, that's like the only legitimate reason that I can think of for uh, actively playing Pokemon so, anymore. So for me, I really just love. Um, I love. It, it really is nostalgia, but I do think there's like. 
Oh man, old Playbo now is in here. I don't know how I just love joining, but keep going. Things are I going know. wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I know. This is, it's okay. We're towards the end of the show. The people will forgive us a little bit. Um, <laughs> you see, I promise not to break the stream, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, everybody right. else is breaking yeah. it. <laughs> I just bring those vibes with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like this question. You're fine. Um, for me, I just love. Uh, I just love the IP. I guess is a good way mm -hmm. to put it. I love the music that comes with Pokemon. I love the charm. Um, I think the world is really, uh, really nice. It's it's a good escapism game for me. I've always had like this mindset, like if I could live in the Pokemon world, I feel like I'd be a lot happier because there <laughs> seems to be not a lot of problems in the Pokemon world. Like, yeah, you got a few, but people seem Rocky. to be happy there. Come on, yeah, but, but like they always getting get kicked out of the house at ten years old. Yeah. yeah, but you get to go on an adventure, and you don't got to do school, and I don't know. It's just. So that was always the thing for me. Like, I want to live in the Pokemon yeah, world. Yeah, I think there's a connection there for sure. I think like a lot of, I, for those of us who played it as a kid, I didn't really play it much as a kid, more so when I got into like middle school, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did watch the show growing up and I had the cards. So I think there's a huge nostalgic connection for people. I think a lot of people like the IP. And honestly, like they, they don't want to abandon something that they hold really close to them. A lot of people have a lot of memories with mm -hmm. it. Um I'd rather see it evolve than just abandon it entirely. Yeah. For me, um, That's me, I think it's the same exact answer in a lot of ways. It's definitely nostalgia plays a big factor. But the thing is, is I left Pokemon behind for a while. Like when I was a kid, even I got tired of Pokemon around black mm -hmm. and white and I stopped playing. And that's when I, I told the story all the time. That's when I moved on to uh, Mega Man Battle Network. And that was my Pokemon growing up. That's where I played like one through six. Like, I, I loved those games so much when I was a kid. Uh, so... I think with Pokemon, it's more so a comfort area. Um, and it's interesting because I don't think the car the current games tap into that. And I was convinced of that. But as we alluded to earlier, I played Sun and Moon and I was like, this is what I love about Pokemon. Like mm -hmm. the surprisingly interesting, heartfelt story beneath a pretty simplistic gameplay system. Um, but I want more now. As, as I get older, I want more now where my leash is a lot shorter. Like Sword and Shield came out. I played... I think 10 hours it says on my switch and I was you never like, beat it. No, 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 not at all. Oh, wow. Not at all. I literally like, well, there's no reason to, it's really not that good. But that's the thing is I literally, I tend to feel very guilty when I drop games, but I dropped that without mm -hmm. second thought. I went, you know what? This just is a waste of my time. Uh, so my leash with Pokemon is really short now and my expectations are higher than like, it's, it's no longer how a lot of people are where they're like, Oh, it's Pokemon. It's fine. It's like, no, I've played persona five Royal. I would like more games to take a look yeah. at the turn-based combat system and try to do something like that. with That's, the time yeah. was For me, like I played persona five Royal and I was like, wow, you can actually evolve turn-based combat and make it really interesting. Mm -hmm. I've seen people play, play persona five Royal who don't, or not just Royal, but persona in general who don't really enjoy turn-based games because they find them monotonous. They find it like uninteresting to watch. And they're like, wow, they make this so flashy and so different that it's, it's worth it feeling like into action you... at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. yeah that really that was me. Man. That was yeah, me. Exactly. You're a perfect example. It's just, absolutely. so yeah, I think it's like not wanting to let go of that. Can we, Matt, or I guess both of you, I'm going to go get something real quick from my closet. I got from Best Buy involving Pokemon. Perfect. There we go. But yeah, for me, it, it really just boils down to that. It's it's part of the charm is the simplicity. I don't think it needs to be overly complex. But with SMT, it's interesting you brought that up because I played SMT4 this past uh, couple months. And it was SMT4 Apocalypse, to be clear. And it was yeah. very much like, in a lot of ways, JRPG the game. And 
I, I thought it was very simplistic turn-based. It was just a lot more nut-crunching, I felt. And uh, I wasn't as in love with it as Persona. Not even because, like, the game itself was bad. It was just very standard JRPG combat. And the story so, itself wasn't that interesting. I went to Best Buy to pick up um, Demon Souls game. Or not Demon Souls, sorry. Demon Slayer. <laughs> yeah, I made and, that mistake uh, the, earlier today. It's funny you say that. They had, they had like this on the on the little counter. And I was like, oh, are these free? She's like, yeah, sure. And I guess it's like these... Um, they used to run like promotions. You can't see the codes. But they used to run promotions for Pokemon where you could go to the stores and pick up like... Oh, here's a code for a shiny legendary. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, mm. but... Um, I do remember seeing those. Yeah, and like uh, I would always go like to GameStop or Best Buy or whatever to get like my my codes for shiny uh, I don't know shiny uh, Dialga or something. Okay. And um, anyway, I just thought it was interesting that we're talking about Pokemon because this is like for the Gigantamax EV and Pikachu. Oh. Um, and and it's, yeah, and it's you that's can cool. go fight fight them. And I think that's another thing. Like, there's just so many like things that go on with the Pokemon IP. Like that, for example. Like you don't really see that often. Like, oh, no, go to the store, don't. pick up a code for free. Like in this specific store, a Target or whatever, and you get um, you can add it to your game. Yeah. Um, there were there were events for older Pokemon games. Like, uh, my friend Crystar was telling me about how in Diamond and Pearl you can, there's an event where you would go get like a Dialga or not Dialga, a Darkrai code, and mm-hmm. something happens in game and it's free and it's like that's cool. That's yeah, something that really only cool. happens with Pokemon, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So. Stuff like that just like gives me hope for the series. I want to see more, for sure. Something better. Yeah, I, my hot take is Pokemon at this point is kind of the uh, the FIFA or Madden of because <laughs> it's it's been the same game fundamentally yeah. for the past almost thirty years. Hundred percent. Yeah. So so the only, the only reason I have I hope disagree- for Arceus, but that's it. The only reason I disagree with that take is because. Um, I, I do think there's like a truth to that in the sense that, yeah, it really is like the same formula. But the reason why I would go and get new games up until Sword and Shield was that like you had a different story and you had new Pokemon versus like FIFA and Madden and 2K where it's like, oh, it's a new roster of, of uh, athletes. And that's I mean, they it. do have a career mode. Yeah. And, oh, and <laughs> it's not good. Nobody plays it. But... A career mode that's basically an RPG that you have to spend like hundreds of bucks on just to be competitive. Yeah, yeah I, I I can agree with that. I don't even think it's a hot take that Pokemon kind of is like the Madden of turn-based games. Like it's you know what you're gonna get when it comes around. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a safe simplicity. I think it's a really accurate, fair synopsis <laughs> of it all. We're just hoping they evolve beyond that with Legends RCS. I'm like you. I, just... I, I share a hope in that they that'll be a turning point for them. Let's just be glad they don't have uh, loot boxes in Pokemon like they do in in uh, FIFA. <laughs> Give it time. That that expansion uh, pack is calling think, our name. Five, five, they've already five got that boxes uh, a month. <laughs> that um, MOBA. Yeah. Oh, watch, yeah. Watch them roll in. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Five yeah. random. They've already Pokemon. got pay to win in it, so just they a matter do. of time. They do, and it sucks. Wow. That game's pretty good. I, I still haven't touched it. I, I like it a lot. I just don't play it because of like what Forge said here. Just it's it's not balanced that well because of the pay to win wow. stuff. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Forge, it's been great talking with you yet again. Uh, we're just going to use your yeah. one question this week so we can get some more yep. people in here and read some more. So we're looking forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Thank you again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Thanks good talking time. to you. Good talking to you, man. Yeah. Take care. See you. 
All right. Do you want to bring in Mike Fury? Do you want to do a patron question? Let's do a patron write-in. Um, okay. Let's hold, because our next one on our list is Natural Calamity. We tried oh, to get perfect. him in here. Um, so let's hold on that one. Or do you want to read that oh. one? Is he still in the waiting room? I, I thought it would be like a, a kind gesture. Cause to yeah, him, let's let's for, do that. Yeah, we'll get him in one of these times if he's not in the waiting room. Yeah, because I just figured like, oh, he wasn't able to tap in, so we'll answer his question. Yeah, we'll I think do that that's... then. Okay. I was going to okay. see if he was in the waiting room. We'll just try to pull him in again, but if it's not working, because he's probably on mobile. I think that's what we're learning. I'll make that clear in the beginning of next episode. You probably need to call in via PC for now, and then we'll we'll see when I talk to Ben if we can remedy that in the meantime. But uh, we'll, we'll do Naturals right in now then, just to make sure he's yeah. commemorated in this episode. Hey, hi-ho, ham boys. It is a good Friday, Friday of the Lord, not the Lord, the one and only Mr. Matty plays in Kopi. You are Jesus <laughs> in this question. We are both Jesus <laughs> in this, the last few, or I'm sorry, in the last few months, the big 21. So for the last few weeks, I found a bar I like, and a lot of karaoke. I thought this was only a thing in movies. I'm loving it, but I have to ask, have either of you had experience with karaoke? Is Mr. Matty up there singing Piano Man at the top of his lungs as he fosters a whiskey in his right hand, or is Kopi up there with his heart in his hands singing Radiohead? Let's start off with that one. He's got two questions for us. I've never done karaoke. Okay. I do not have. I have confidence. Have done... I don't have the confidence for that, though. I So I think like with karaoke, you got to remember that you're not supposed to sound like the greatest singer. You're supposed to get up there and sound, have a lot of fun, and you can sound like an idiot. I'm okay. Um, with, with that being said, I don't think I could do karaoke publicly, but I've done it like a few times with friends and I like, I don't drink, but I feel like if you do, if you're drinking and you do karaoke, I could totally see that as like a really fun time. Mm. Um, I, I like to sing, but I'm not a good singer at all. And by me saying like, I like to sing is I always sing along if I'm listening to music by myself and I don't know, it's just my thing. Like I, I, I always, um. When I'm grinding my the few video game soundtracks I do listen to that have vocals in them, I'm just like you know in the shower I'll be singing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I I'm not huge on karaoke, but I I think uh, it can be totally a lot of fun. And I imagine in your situation where you've got a few drinks in you, you loosen up a little bit. You're up oh, there yeah. in front of the in the microphone with a few good buddies, and you're just like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's um, my friends have, have deemed that I have the worst voice of all time when it comes to singing, um, excluding our friend group, Kopi, just like even other friends have been like, don't sing. And so I just really? I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard you sing. It's really bad. It's really bad. And so hey, I'm, I'm in agreement. And uh, there's actually a video of me singing Snake Eater online. If anyone wants to hear me actually sing, I, I did it for a fucking donation because I'm a sellout. And uh, <sighs> and in it, it's just horrible. But it's like I told people, I was like, wow. it's going to be bad. And I did it anyway. So if anyone wants to hear me sing Metal Gear 3, Snake Eater. Um, all right. Second question is, what are some good mixed or sweet, if anything, I am not too much of a drinker. Like I've been finding myself drinking vodka cranberry with a little lime on the top or a beaks, a break, a breakside brewery beer, which is his local brewery. What are some drinks you two enjoy? The new man, Kopi, aforementioned Jesus. What are some drinks you enjoy? Are you a party man like I imagine you in my head? It's This is hilarious. Wow. Your answer for this is going to be hilarious. so funny. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know what vibes I give off that I'm a party man, but Matt, as you know, I very much am not. Um, <laughs> I'm, my friends kind of actually hate me because I have like a huge, like staunch take on like drinking and like, you know, drugs or whatever in general that I'm like super against them to the point where I'm unfun. 
Mm. Um, but I, I stay away. Uh, but if I were to drink, hypothetically, um, I feel like I'm a bit, I'm, I'm kind of like a, a soda guy. So I feel like I'd want something where I can mix some like Coke in there or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. but at the same time, like I love to, and I, I don't think whiskey tastes good, but I would love to imagine like myself, like kicking back, like with some whiskey in my hand, oh, like thinking I'm a cowboy or whatever. But Matt, what about you? Uh, I was in my drinking days. I'm like you. I don't really drink much anymore. I, if I drink, I have wine now, and it's typically when I'm writing. I, I just, I, it's such a fucking pompous ass, sophisticated move of me, but I don't care. It actually helps, and it's really enjoyable, and it mellows me out. Uh, but I'll typically have this wine from the Adirondack Winery. Uh, it is a rose strawberry. No, it's a it's a watermelon rose. I think it's what it's called. Uh, you can order it online. It's a it's a winery in Lake George, one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, highly recommended that. Uh, it's a so, little if you're looking to unwind. But my my party drink, if you will, when I was in college and I was going to people's houses and like, yeah, let's get drunk. I had these fucking stupid ass <laughs> Snapchats and stuff. Uh, I would have Crown oh Royal God. with ginger ale, yeah. And so um, that was my that was my cool guy drink, if you will. I enjoyed a little Crown Royal in a cup. Uh, other than that, my, my beer of choice, you know, I'm talking like brand beer. Uh, I liked uh, blue moon, but, uh, you know, I, I don't really do that anymore. It's not, it lose once you become 21, you could tell, you could tell by reading the write in from natural calamity. He's fresh. He's freshly 21, right? Uh, because it's exciting for him to drink and probably a couple months into it. He'll see it gets a little boring. It's like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, I can drink. I can drink whenever I, I want. I also imagine when you're older too, like people, not everybody, but people stop partying as much. You start focusing on, you know, relationships, families, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, their careers, and it's like not as as fun anymore. It's just um, whack. Like, yeah, it's, but, <laughs> it's boring. But with with beer, I don't. I've never really had beer other than when I was like. It's gonna sound bad, but when I was a little kid, I took a sip out of my dad's can. But I think everybody's done that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I took yeah, a sip. I, my first sip of alcohol was uh was Mike's Hard Lemonade, which yeah, was barely considered alcohol. But yeah, that was my first. But, but like, um, so when you know those like advertisements on TV, like you got the pitcher and you mm -hmm. see the beer and the mm -hmm. the foam and they they scrape it off with the uh, whatever that thing is. Yeah, that yeah. shit looks so good like they really make yeah. it look delicious but you, it probably doesn't taste that good if you get it from like a in my experience like i've had it like at a, a brewery like a craft stuff. beer yeah it's yeah. it can be refreshing for sure mm -hmm. like there I, I remember went out to a restaurant for my birthday with my girlfriend and i i actually for the first time in years like was like i'm gonna get a beer with dinner like is that cool with you and she's like yeah of course like she is actually kind of hyped she's like oh my god are you okay and <laughs> yeah. um yeah, like it can be refreshing if you get like that freshly tapped beer. Mm -hmm. But uh, beyond that, yeah, it's it's to me, it's like largely unappealing at this point in my life outside of like a casual, relaxing drink. So that's a great question, Natural Calamity. Let's do uh, we're at right now two hours, 37 minutes. Let's do one more call and we'll call it there. OK, if there's yeah, anyone gotta... available, if not, we'll do another question. Let's see. We have Mike. Fu uh, let's we do just Mike did, Fury. We did. Yeah, and Mike Fury's been waiting. Mike Fury, hello. Mike Fury, I heard a sound. That's yeah. really that's definitely that's really How's it hey. going, man? Good to talk to you. I'm doing excellent. How are you guys? Doing well. We're doing, doing great. Well. Thank you so much for calling in. You are our last call in of the episode. So what's on your mind? 
Um, a couple things. Uh, oh wow, and my camera, my camming coming out. But uh, real quick. Um, uh, so time to make the show a little bit weeby. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, weeby or weepy? Weeby, weeby. Oh, weeby. Okay. All, right. <laughs> All right, let's hear it out. Oh. So uh, technically, uh, so uh, I was told by the Discord that you're a Hunter X Hunter fan, Maddie. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, I apologize. No, it's so, it, no, it's here's the thing. I don't make it right. very clear because there are arcs I really like in Hunter Hunter. Like York New is is a fucking amazing arc to me. I like the um the Ant Chimera arc or whatever it's yes. called. Obviously very good, but I think super drawn out, but like really emotional by the end. But, like, I thought Hunter Hunter may have been one of the most overhyped anime I've ever watched. Wow. But, uh, anyway, what is, uh, I'm free to speak on that one. So go for it. And so now I want to change my question. Oh, okay. We, whatever you want, man. Go whatever ahead. You whatever you're Alrighty, So, the, I'll change the question into what are the defining, like, the big defining traits between Persona 5 and. Uh, the um shimagami tensei series like are you as excited as you were for persona 5 royal as you are smt5 coming out november no. 11th if i'm not mistaken he <laughs> says no, no. Yeah. but that's the short answer <laughs> uh, i'm, I'm with him on that definitely not uh, uh especially after playing smt4 uh, just back in August to, to kind of get excited and prepped for smt5 my plan was to play three afterwards and when I played four and then I watched the trailer again for five, you kind of heard the same premise of like the world's over and you're, you're suddenly touched by a God when you were dying. And now you've made this pact and you must explore this post-apocalyptic location. I'm hoping that they, and they seemingly have on a, on a stylistic front. I'm really hoping that they borrow heavily from persona. I understand that this is the series that gave birth to persona. So there's some pride with it. But please understand there's a reason Persona became way more popular in SMT, and it's not just the social elements. It's 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 very much because the combat's extremely good. So uh, to me, I'm not as excited for SMT5. I do plan on playing it day one, though. For me, um, I haven't played SMT before. Um, and oh, there he is. Got camera active on. now. Hey, I had to I had to hit the button. I had no idea that I was supposed to hit the button. Good to see oh wait, now. we got the same headphones. Hey, look at that! At this, um, I think it was sevens. <laughs> yeah, fives or sevens or something. They're great. Um, for me, I what I love about Persona the most is the fact that it's not a hardcore. Well, it, it is like a. It has all the JRPG systems you'd expect, but it it takes itself more lightly. Not necessarily like in the themes, but. I think part of what makes Persona 5 Royal specifically so charming is like the art style is so derivative and, and like mm -hmm. it's in your face, you know, and the themes are so important and integral to the series. Um, whereas in SMT, I don't really see that based on what I've I've seen. Yeah, it's it not much like a, commentary. Like a, like a hardcore, a hardcore um, Persona. Like it's harder. Um, it's more tailored towards people who are really into like uh, more strategy i don't know it just doesn't seem like it's more up my alley i feel like i would get more bored with it if anything uh versus with persona like got like the the flashy music and the themes of rebellion and they're like vigilantes and i don't know it's just and you're in a school i just find that more appealing and i think that's what most people do 
most people see that like yeah that's what i want more of right um, so yeah with matt or what matt said i hope they borrow from persona but i don't think they will because they want to keep them separate which i imagine is probably a good thing right. um but if they're expecting more people to jump into smt because they recently played persona i feel like they that might not be a good thing to expect because mm -hmm. they're seem pretty different yeah Hopefully they borrow some though. Are, are you like a bigger fan of one over the other, Mike? Um, no, I'm a big, I'm a way bigger fan of Persona yeah. Five and Persona Four than I am of SMT. I love Persona Four, yeah. but it's like the way that I look at it, like from the outside, like because obviously SMT hasn't come out yet. Um, Persona Five looks more heroic, more event, like Avenger, Marvel, like yeah. over yeah. the top, like flashy stylish right. um it looks kind of like that a little bit more and snt looks like dark very gruesome grim yeah uh, and it, it gives me the same vibes that um smt3 does um mm -hmm. smt um nocturne it's like again post-apocalyptic neo tokyo i think it was in yeah, um yeah. sm3 and it's just the whole entire vibe is completely off and like some of the characters, I know that a lot of people love SM, um, SMT3 because of the characters, but, like, how far are they going to go into, like, using um, Persona 5? Because, obviously, if you're the same company creating the same game and both of them kind of, like, are a yin and yang to each other, if you want to look at it from that perspective. Um, right. If something works, because Persona 5 <laughs> worked, like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. it was it was up there, like, in Game of the Year conversations and everything, and that year was absolutely amazing oh, if i'm sure. sticking that was 2018 uh god of war um red dead uh or was that 2017 uh 2017 is the original 2017 is the original 2017 yeah. so, uh, so 2017 came out that mario year. odyssey yeah, yeah like a lot ago. Oh, yeah. so obviously you look at that and you're like all right so we're gonna have to borrow and mm -hmm. what can you borrow even in that grim darker mm -hmm. setting because now it's like angels and gods and yeah like the universe is in the balance and like that's what, as far as we've gotten in the trailer at least look, look at something like bayonetta where it has like angels and gods and it kind of has like darker themes it's like a mm -hmm. darker setting but it still is like that really not bombastic like that really like flash the flashiness to it and the music is like really bumpy and jammy um mm -hmm. uh, Maybe I'm trying to say that that's um Bayonetta is the Don is uh Bayonetta's persona and Dante is uh SMT, uh, even though no, Dante's was, stylish too. Like, um, I'm sorry, Devil May Cry, yeah. What I was trying to say is more so like you can have like those dark atmospheres and themes while still making like they could pull like the, the music, for example, from Persona, like get more music that's like that, you know, um, and make SMT more person personified, mm -hmm. uh, but. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I think thematically they're very different where if they shared gameplay elements, kind of like what you see with Fallout and Elder Scrolls, like completely different vibe for each of these games, but they largely look, play, and control the same minus guns being in one series. Where if, for example, the baton pass from Persona 5 made its way into SMT 5, mm -hmm. I don't think anyone would be losing their mind going, oh my God, why is this here? Uh, the only thing that I think might work against that is SMT is pretty difficult, and I remember when I was playing it, there were a lot of moments in 4 Apocalypse where I was like, this is just stupid difficulty. This is like the difficulty that you put it on easy because you don't want to be bothered, and that shows that a game's not balanced well, and it's eventually what I did, especially with the... 
If anyone's played SMT4 Apocalypse, shout out to you because the final dungeon is trash. It's terrible. Wow. It's not a bad game, but the final dungeon is trash. Look it up. It's like this aimless exploration. Not good at all. And the final boss like can can really crush your nuts, even though it's it's really cool. Uh, but it follows. What's interesting is while they're thematically uh, or really tonally different from one another, without spoiling anything, both series follow a same arc of like effectively taking on a higher being at some point which is a very common jrpg arc and when i started to hear again with smt5 like this angels demons yada 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 i was like oh we're gonna fight god at the end of this game aren't we you know it's like can we do something a little different i know it's been a number of years but can we do something a little different so i'll be interested to see what they do to evolve smt to kind of circle around what you guys were talking about earlier, Pokemon does the same exact thing too. Mm -hmm. At the end of every single Pokemon game, there's this big over-the-top Pokemon that's legendary. And, yep. you know, and now we got Arceus coming and he's the god Pokemon. And then you had Zamenta, Zanetta, whatever those two were in Sword and Shield. Um, the Z-Dogs is what I call them because I can never yeah. remember their names. <laughs> but they're that's like way, guardians <laughs> of something. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that is a very JRPG trope-ish thing to have mm -hmm. yeah but absolutely yeah, so many games you just go and kill god like in final fantasy 10 like persona <laughs> yeah i like what persona does though because like without spoiling five like it's not necessarily god it's kind of like different and mm -hmm. it, it, it plays into the theme of rebellion it, right yeah yeah it plays into the theme of rebellion like with who they pull from religion it's just so yeah. cool yeah. i love persona man persona five is so good yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I still need to finish it. I still need what? to finish it. What? Oh. Wait, wait, where yeah. are you? Um, every single time I try to, like, because I, I have a YouTube channel. So every single right. time I'm like, okay, I'm going to dive in. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, I'm going to get 20 hours in, 30 hours in, 40 mm -hmm. hours in. And then something else comes out. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I am the type of person where if I disconnect, then i have to start all over oh, i can't okay interesting so it's been three on three different playthroughs i've started persona on and i've gotten to a certain what point the, and then i'm like the furthest you've been um after i just finished the the art dude okay, okay. oh wow uh, Madarame. so, so pretty early pretty, on yeah you're pretty early you're only two palaces in yeah. Oh, how many? Are, how many are there? There's like a eight, lot. I think. And Royal, Jesus Christ! And I thought for, I'm like, because my my little brother beat um the original. He didn't beat um Royal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, he beat the original and at like around a hundred and something, or like around hundred and ten or something. Yeah. And I was uh, like, right. Royal brought me to like one fifty, I think. Yeah. What's imp Gosh. What's impressive about Royal is my playtime was only, I think it was like fifteen hours more, but there was so much more content across the game to indulging and none of that was really idle time either um, yeah actually i think my final save was a was pretty similar to my final save for uh persona 5 like when when they both lined up so that's what's interesting is one i think they just managed to like condense certain parts to make the game easier um while also adding stuff into the game um like there's new collectibles you can get in the palaces and all that stuff but uh yeah if you if you do get the time to there's enough new stuff in there to keep your attention, but as I'm sure you've seen, but it's once you get to the third semester, you're going to be like, why did I ever fight with myself on this? I'm just letting you know. Yeah. I'm just letting you know. It's what, the third, <laughs> third semester. semester straight fire all the way through. Yeah. Whole thing. I don't I think I've up. seen one complaint with it. 
Like I, I'm, I'm being serious as in like, Probably I don't think I've seen it for... too long is the only one I can think of. No, I, I just think, mean with the third semester in general. Oh, third semester. Like, yeah. I don't think I've seen one person be like, this sucks. <laughs> and you see that with Persona 4 with the third semester, I guess the extra arc they throw in in Four Golden. Yeah. Because it kind of, you yeah. know, it's iffy. But for Royal, they were like, nah, fuck that. We're going to make something fire. Yeah, and then undeniably <laughs> good. Dude, yeah, so good. Yeah, I need to. I need to finish it. I got the whole the the chat is also telling me I need to finish it. It's you can do it. It's it's you. on there. It's it's like, uh like I started near, couldn't finish it earlier. Near Automata off of um oh, Maddie's recommendation. I started one. it, couldn't oh. finish it. Wow, like Dude, there's so many games of, right yeah. there. Yeah, wow. like but and I and like like I enjoy it, and then I'm like, damn it, but I'm not gonna be able to finish it. Like, yeah, it's so and it's so hard. Like it's like Dude. especially when like new games come out and you kind of like Metro Dread. I bought it. Like I'm I'm playing it. Like. Mm-hmm. That one's awesome. Like, like yeah. I'm about to fall into that Mike Fury bag real quick because I bought fucking Caligula Effect 2 today. I bought what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, shout out to GameStop. I hope everyone at the end is listening to this. Shout out to GameStop who sold me the fucking game like five days early. I had no idea. It was one of the best moments ever, though, because everyone's replying to me because I, I showed like Demon Slayer. That came out today. People were like, Caligula Effect is out? Wait, what? No way. And I'm like, yeah, I thought it was out today. And I, I look and it came, it comes out on the 19th. And this guy sold it to me. Why did they give it to you early? I took it all. It was on the shelf. It was his only, he was like, dude, get this. He was like, yeah, it's our only copy. And I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. It's a niche game. I walk out. I see all those tweets and I'm like, this fucking guy sold me the copy that was on display to be put there for like people to grab copies in the back. Really? Wow incredible the switch OLED also was sent out early yeah yeah a lot of people got that yeah. early yeah and it also shows that GameStop's full of shit because he was like it's our <laughs> only copy i'm like no you probably got more in the back because yeah. he gave me one of those new copies you know i put that in quotes new copies where it's like opened and it's got like the manual and stuff in there but they broke the seal on it to put it on the shelf so oh anyway point being is um I, I, what I was getting at is I got Caligula Effect. I got Demon Slayer. I started Metroid Dread. I'm, I'm obsessed with Thief Simulator currently. And I'm kind of just enjoying that. Like Yo, hopping between Thief all these Simulator? Games. Yeah. Um. It's actually it's really good. Yo. It's really it's, good. Yo, I implore you. Try Thief Simulator. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're playing that one. Right. Try Drug Dealer Simulator. I want to play that one. Yeah. Dude, play dr- play yo, and then play Bum Simulator. Dog, you will there's a bump simulator. It's, uh, it's in early access right now, so okay. please give it like a little bit of time. Okay. But yo, Are I played it. And I'm like same person or same group. It's more or less the same. The same. Um, the same. Uh, publisher, but they're yeah. different. Um, companies, and they all have like the um the the whole truck monster truck um Euro truck. Oh, the all yeah, of yeah. those oh, is the same company. Want, like, a PC the, simulator. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that. They're, they're, I bought they, Cooking Simulator on Switch when I was really liking. You bought it, yeah. When I, when I was loving Thief Simulator, and I saw Cooking Simulator for two bucks, I was thinking to myself, "Well, I'm probably gonna like this if I fire it up." And I love cooking. I don't do it a lot, but I love cooking. I was like, maybe I'll actually learn something from this. With Thief Simulator, you don't really learn anything. But I was like, maybe I'll actually no, learn something wrong. from Cooking but Simulator. But it's cool. And then you unlock the black market <laughs> online. Yeah, dude, it's the best part of the game. <laughs> Uh, you're like yo i'm selling this stuff through yeah but try bum simulator is just grotesque disc- like being the most raunchy person on earth and it's hilarious you grab it. dudes 
dudes in suits and you throw them into trash cans and <laughs> you'd be peeing everywhere but it's like you got to make sure that you eat and you're just like scrubbing through trash yo it's oh, hilarious that's, it's that's, so much fun and you know no offense to all the people who are suffering through that but yeah as a video game it's so much it's so funny yeah, it's yeah. so <laughs> i love wow. that mike it's been great talking with you i hope you call in yeah. again uh one of these Thanks weeks it's, it's it's been a great way to wrap up our show so thank you so much man definitely definitely anytime guys all thank right you. we'll talk with you soon see you, mike. Peace, peace. all right that was a great way to end off the show i love the energy from mike there yeah dude energy makes a difference it fuels us even when we're here in the deep hours three hours into the show this has been our best episode for sure so far. That was an absolute blast from top to bottom. Oh, so great happens. That's what makes the show. Mm -hmm. It does. And 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 thank you again to the audience for for proving our point with the the vision of this show. You've really mm -hmm. stepped up. Thank you. And we, we're getting people signing up now to call in. So we really appreciate that. And we we were going to continue to bring in new voices if we're able to, as long as people are signing up. Uh, we'll continue to prioritize those calling in. So thank you. To everyone who's been showing the love in chat, who's been showing the love afterwards in the comments, who's been tuning in on mobile. Again, if you're listening on the go and you've got this deep, consider leaving us a five-star review. If you're watching live and you've got a couple of seconds, click the link, bring us up on iTunes, five-star review, hype us up a little bit, get us up the charts a little bit. We're trying here um, because we think we got something unique to offer people. So it's, it's again... A lot of our success is in the audience's hands, but that's uh, I'm accustomed to that. So, Paul, any closing thoughts before we wrap up this episode? No, uh, I just want to thank everybody like Matt has been. Thanks for the – I think one thing is thanks for the feedback, you know. Um, mm. Over, like, the last few episodes, I've been trying to improve myself for the podcast so people like hearing me more. Um, I know I was very quiet at first, very shy, things like that. So um, it's nice to be welcomed by a lot of people. Uh, it's nice for people to say, like, hey, here's something you could try doing to help – better uh us listeners um and you know i feel like if we didn't have the feedback we wouldn't have even changed the formatting of the show which has helped immensely it's mm -hmm. helped it run so much better um like timestamps and everything so mm -hmm. yeah you know don't don't stop sending feedback if you have something to say you know as long as you write it nicely <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure right as always yeah for which sure. most people do which is much appreciated yeah and yeah go leave reviews on uh i uh spotify whatever apple mm -hmm. uh google please yeah bring this show up i want more people to see it absolutely and it helps a lot and we thank you for that feedback of course and um very well said so with that we appreciate you all and we'll see you next week for episode five, whether it be live here or archived on the channel. Until then, take good care of yourselves. We'll see you then.